Hello, and welcome to episode 111 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, Forever Noise, the man, the myth. I hear he paints houses. Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. I had a dream Saturday night that I saw Rise of Skywalker, and it was just <laughs> really boring. Oh, no! What a nightmare. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, I actually literally meant to text you right away, and I was like, you know what, no. I, I had a premonition. I can, it was the Force. I can say, the thing is... <laughs> I don't recall, like, any of the details of what the movie was. I just remember, because I only remember bits and pieces of it, even though, like, I like, was trying to remember it the second I, like, woke up and, like, realized it was a dream, and I was like, yeah. oh my god, I just dreamed I watched the last, uh, the last Star Wars, and I was like, I just, the only thing I could really concretely remember was walking out and be like, but nothing happened. Oh, it was God. two and a half hours and nothing <laughs> happened. We didn't even get any answers. You know what I mean? Like, which obviously, like the movie could end up being yeah. bad. I, I, I don't think it will. I'm, I'm obviously hoping it won't. But sure. realistically, whether we're satisfied or not, things are going to happen and we're going to get answers. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. I really wish that you had called me like right in the morning, like to wait and woken me up with it, and then like this way in my groggy voice after you told me that it was terrible, I could just be like, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, on this week's episode, we've got a bunch of trailers, a media blackout, all before diving into our flick of the week, The Irishman. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Oh, we're drinking something good. Because um, it's from Jack's Abbey, and they've never let us down. Because we need it. Jesus Christ. Did everything just turn off above the you? The one floodlight thing above my head <laughs> just went out, and it's the one that always goes out and then comes back on. Oh, good. So when you have an idea, hopefully it's at the exact right moment. Yeah, it threw me off because that's what I was using to read, and now I can't read this freaking can, so I'm going to start over <laughs> with, with a light. Oh, wow. I realized I didn't actually read this can. I just saw new Jack's Abbey that I hadn't had, and I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to buy this. Right. Okay, we're drinking a Jack's Abbey, which you've been listening. If you've been listening to the show, you know is one of our absolute favorite breweries, the both of us. Every beer that, they've done, that we've done on the show... We've loved the one that we liked the least was still really good. It was just kind of plain. <laughs> right. Um, this is Jack's. And it did plain really well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is Jack's Abbey Framing Hammer. It's a Baltic Porter. The original gravity is 23.5 Play Doh. Is 10% alcohol by volume in this teeny little can. Shit. IBU's 45. Oh boy. It's unfiltered and unpasteurized, as I believe all of theirs are. Framing Hammer. Big, bold, and black. Black Octown. <laughs> I was, I was like, man, this is going to have some sort of d- d- discussion point. <laughs> Big, bold, and black. Mm. A lengthy conditioning period creates a silky smooth mouthfeel. At 10% alcohol by volume, this beer is sure to keep you warm on a cold winter night. <laughs> nice. All right. I'm excited. I mean, how could you not be with Jack's Ab? Seriously. Cheers. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what we- Oh, Jack's Abbey, you never let Why? us down. Why are you so good? So consistently. Why are you so good at everything you do? Also, the background of the can is trippy. Oh, is it? It's it got like the checkerboard. It's all checkerboard, but it's diagonal. Yeah, it's at an angle. There's a line through it. It's blown my mind. Um, They have that little like crest with the lions and like the sprigs of something. But yeah, it's got that classic hexagonal uh, little thing that they always have. The I, I dig that they have like. All variations on the same color as their color scheme, where it's like this, like yeah, yeah. dark blue bands on the top, and there's the light blue interspersed with the dark blue and all that. It's very nice. Uh, yeah, as per usual, uh, their beer is tremendous. Um, porters, uh, I could take or leave, but 
I'm, I'm taking this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, <laughs> we've generally had good results with porters around this show. The Owls Ales mm-hmm. Porter is obviously excellent. If I could toot my own horn for a minute, it's one of, uh, I think, my best styles that I've done. I think the Red Ale, obviously, has been a smashing success. Um, my, my Belgian wit has been, in my estimation, the best beer that I've made. Um, and then I've enjoyed the Porter quite a bit as well, and it's been used... On multiple different instances, including with the pumpkin porter, the, yep. the pumpkinish porter, pumpkinish, pumpkin adjacent. Uh, this beer has one tremendous flaw. What? Is that enough of it? It does not come in pints. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> funny because most of Jack's Abbey does come in pints, but this one was only twelve yeah. ounces, unfortunately. And when they printed the ten percent label, they went shit. Well, that, that, that may have been a contributing factor. Uh, it is an expensive beer. Uh, well, like yeah. all of their beer is expensive, but it's so damn good. It's it's worth it. Man, I've enjoyed some good beer this week. Uh, aside from this, I also enjoyed a nice, a nice red ale with my episode three. That's right, the little owls ales. That was good. Uh, the beer was far better than the movie. <laughs> uh, here's the thing: I didn't. I, it's been a while, and it was really. I I love the movie. Don't get me wrong, I adore it. Uh, it's a very slow start, and the acting is horrendous. Well, it's and funny uh, it's actually not that slow of a start. It is. Because you started in the I middle feel. of a space battle. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's a but right after enticing that, prologue, and then when the movie starts, it's very slow. <laughs> after the initial 15 minutes of, you know, balls to the wall, adrenaline-inducing, dude gets his head cut off. Yeah, there's a big yeah. sag for the next half hour. Yeah, and there's a lot of Hayden Christensen. Yeah, and a lot and of Hayden, I, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman not having chemistry. I've been trying to give them the benefit of the doubt for the longest time, no, no. and the only thing that I can come up with is that he's terrible and brings her down. No, he is such a bad actor that he's actively <laughs> sucking the talent out of her on screen because yeah. she's a Oscar-nominated, multiple-time Oscar-winning actress? That's a good question. I don't know if she has I, I can't recall if she actually won, but was she not nominated for both Leon and for Black Swan? Uh, I don't know about Leon. Uh, she might have won Black Swan. That's what I'm I couldn't remember if she won, but I'm 99% sure. She- Natalie Portman winning Best Actress. That was March 3rd, 2011. So that's Black Swan. Um, you know, in that headline, you'd think they would put the the movie. <laughs> well, I was just going to go to... Uh, IMDb and check the date. Correct. Um, well, it, not only that, it tells you the movie. Um, she was... there. Oh, she's actually nominated for three things, and none of them was late. Was she nominated for Closer? I... I honestly have never seen that movie. I barely have heard of that movie. Was she? She was. Yeah, sorry, I, I thought you were stating movie. it as a fact. No, no. Or, I was asking. Sorry, <laughs> asking it rhetorically. I thought you were asking it rhetorically is what I meant to say. Gotcha. What else? All right, so she's uh, closer. Black Swan. Black Swan, which you won. Yes. And sorry, I'm looking at this because I realize I've seen this picture of her with the b- pink wig and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no idea what this movie is about. I'm going to take a uh, she, I have she not seen it in a long won time. For Black Swan, and then she was nominated for Jackie. Oh, that's right, when she played Jackie Kennedy. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. I completely yeah, forgot well, she was nominated for that. Anyway, I actually one of these was... two things is not like the other. <laughs> um, I um, I, they're both very pretty. <laughs> I thought that she won, or I thought that she was nominated for Leon as well. Yeah. Um. It might have been too... I, was that movie as well-received when it released, or does it just have a better following? Um, I think it was well at the time. I love that movie. I mean, I was There's so much in that movie. 
What's that? I said I was only like four when it came out. So Fair enough. I definitely yeah. didn't watch it then. I definitely also watched it too young, because I'm pretty sure I watched it in oh, yeah. 2000. For sure. And that is not a movie that a less than 10-year-old should watch. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's, uh, but it's tremendous. Oh, no, great movie. It's just I <laughs> definitely watched it way too young. I, uh, I use all of them a lot. <laughs> I yell it. Oh, the Gary Oldman. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I also have, I, actually, earlier today, I, uh, I said I'd take my Tylenol like Gary Oldman in The Professional. <laughs> you know, I have to, uh, I watched a little bit of it a few months ago. Um, it's been probably 15 years since the movie. Um, mm. So I'd, I'd like to just sit down and watch the whole thing for the first time in a long time because some of the stuff I like have out of order in my mind because I always like catch like right. snippets of it. At last we meet again for the first time for the yeah. last time. Well, it's a big. It was a big TNT movie. I remember being on TNT a lot. Oh, uh, that actually might have been the first time I, I saw it was years ago on TNT. Yeah, no, it was definitely. It's funny you always remember the certain movies that were on certain stations. Big TNT yep. movie. I can I can definitely. Yeah, yeah, that. for sure. Uh, back to episode three. Uh, the only uh, saving grace I feel like that helps you, that pulls you uh, back in, is Ian McDermott throughout his scenes. He's so much fun on screen. Uh, He's having a blast. Well, him and Ewan McGregor, who was in. Well, okay. Here and here's the thing. In that final sequence, when uh, Ewan McGregor is fighting Hayden Christensen, you know that you know the line. Um, uh, it's so good that it's like, this is out of place. You deserve better than this. Was it the, the <laughs> you were my brother? Yeah. <laughs> that, whole, that whole thing. All of it. But even before they start fighting, too, the, the, what he did, the, his whole thing that he'd done. But throughout that whole sequence, throughout the whole movie, he was good in all three movies. But in particular, yeah. this one, he... I, I, it was like he felt how bad everything had been to that point and how right. bad everything around him was. That he was just like, I am going to act 110% because I need to make up for... <laughs> than only 90% that Hayden Christensen's able to get. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. That, 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 that final battle with him is great. Uh, I immediately watched the high ground skit after I was done. That's not, the, so, high, that's not the Jedi that's way. That's not the Jedi way. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Oh, here's my... Uh, uh, let's hide the children. The, the huge plot hole. Let's hide the children. I'll take the girl. Give the other one to his uncle. <laughs> Next of kin is not the first place on his list. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Yoda was Yoda was a little burnt out. He didn't have any ideas for that. But anyway, um, I'm moving on. I'm moving on from there. Uh, I'm not gonna watch the rest of the before the movie. I I don't think. Oh, it's too bad. I mean, we only have like a week and a half. I'm right? probably gonna fire up seven and cup at some point in the next I week. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I might skip to do those two. I actually, I'm gonna see if I can win back Gianna slightly because, like, we're all gonna end up going as a family at some point after I've watched. And sure. she went with us to see Seven, so she's seen the movie, whether or not she fully remembers it. Um, right, right, she, right. I, she never saw Eight at all. Um, and um. that was part of the thing I think that was. She's like, I really don't want to watch the old ones. She goes, I don't care how great they are. I just don't want to watch the old ones. I was so I'm like, you've already seen Seven. Just yeah. watch eight, so this way you know what you're physically getting watching into. when you're getting into nine. Even if you don't know all the backstory, you yeah, don't yeah. call everything, just to be able to literally follow the plot. Right. Yeah. Yeah, she should do that. Yeah. But I uh, even I, I think I actually might skip ahead to those two just in case, just so that I could have like the trilogy like at, like more cohesive. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I've seen 
four, five, and six enough times, probably for multiple people's lifetimes. Oh, so it's it's it'd be fine if I didn't get to them right before the movie. Also, I'm waiting to hear. I'm uh, waiting to hear back from CableTV.com about whether or not they need me to watch all. <laughs> so because I think the de- I I'm think, here. I think I'm here. <laughs> I think the deadline's tomorrow. So. Oh man, I hope you get it. I really I do. do. I'm not Rooting going to, you, but bud. I would. I would love. I would love. Fair it. enough. It would be so much fun. Uh, it's gonna be miserable. It's on, the, <laughs> on the high ground way. I'm just have to, I'm gonna have right. to get on like I have like an elliptical here. Just have to get on it for an hour while watching. And keep moving and then start yeah. eating pizza and drinking beer for an hour and then like doing the elliptical for an hour. That could work. Yeah, that could really work. Yeah, that that's the best way to go about it. Free guy trailer dropped. That's a silly movie. Um. So funny thing about that. Never heard of it until literally just popped up on the internet in front of me. And yeah. It's like, what is this Same. with Ryan Reynolds? Okay, I'll watch the trailer. No idea what it is. And mm-hmm. I was watching it, and I'm like, do they do a fucking video game? Is this, like, Absolutely. kind of-ish a ripoff of Ready Player One, but this time with Deadpool? And <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. No, it's not. No, it is. Because Ryan Reynolds is an NPC, <laughs> and he's come to life. And realized maybe he could do better. Yeah, Ready Player One plus Deadpool. No, it's, <laughs> it's not the same thing. But it is. It is really. It's a very silly concept, and the their choices for the trailer are top notch. You know what? You know where they had me. Oh my god! Is that a gun in your pocket? No. It's it's two, two guns. guns. <laughs> and then to follow it up, when she pulls the guns out, he goes, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> He's great. He's just so funny. I I can't look at him and not laugh. Well, he has cornered the market on just being unrelentingly himself. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. He is just him at all times, whether on screen or off. And every movie he's in, he is him. Yeah, Hobbs and Shaw. Which can be a turnoff at times, but at this point, just buy in and enjoy that he is him. You can be one note if the one note is yeah, absolutely. And uh, his one note is tremendous. Did you see, before we continue on with the free guy, did you see, are you aware of this whole thing with the Peloton commercial? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Let me let me learn you on some, L- me in. some internet pop culture um, zeitgeist stuff here. So what do you got? there is this commercial. I know you don't have a TV, so you haven't seen it. Although like it's it's on ads, like if you're watching like a video on YouTube. Hang too. on, I have a TV. <laughs> you don't. You have a TV. You don't have TV. You don't have cable. All right. Hey, I got Disney Plus. I don't need anything else wow. right now. <laughs> Literally everything. Well, that's not true. I'm also watching Prime. But go on. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. So there's this ad for you know what do you know what Peloton is? Yeah. So you know it's the exercise bike with the the so you pay for a class while you own the bike, which I didn't realize at first. I was like, wow, this is a fucking scam because it's like sixty dollars a month on top of whatever the bike itself costs. Like the thousand dollar bike or however much it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was this particular commercial which I would tell you to just fire it up right now, but you know it's not worth the time. I'll send it to you after sure. we're done. So I'm gonna walk you through it because it's like a thirty second. 45 second commercial, whatever it is. It's like Christmas morning, wife, husband, daughter, I want to say, 10-ish years old. So the husband surprises the wife with a Christmas present, and it's the Peloton. Hang on, back up. Who else would it be? (laughs) The girl they kidnapped? (laughs) Husband surprises the wife with a Peloton bike. I'm just going to power through that. For Christmas. And she's like, oh my god, I can't believe it. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Yeah. And then she's like live streaming or like vlogging 
her usage of the Peloton. So it's like, you know, they... I don't think I've ever heard anybody say vlog. Yeah, well, I didn't want to say vlog because I didn't think it was going to come out well in the microphone. Fair enough. Because um, I know at times it, I can be a did. little stuffy. To be clear. <laughs> Eat shit. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Vlogging! <laughs> that actually came out worse. That's funny. I know. All that right, go the on. idea. <laughs> She's like vlogging the... Yeah. You know, day one, day five, day, you know, it's, oh, oh my God, I can't wait to get on the bike. And then it's, you know, uh, another day, keep going strong. And then it's like 6 a.m., yay, you know, and she's going through the whole thing. And they're playing the She's So High by, I don't remember who, that song from like the year 2000 that mm-hmm. was a one-hit wonder or whatever. Um, and like, it's just a ridiculous fucking ad. And like, everyone has just been dunking on it for two weeks online it's even made it like you know it takes two weeks for like something that happens online to make it to like the news unless it's like someone dying um and like people ripping this you know there's been op-eds and think pieces about this fucking ad um ripping on it like for all like the terrible acting the terrible script of the commercial and then just on top of it the audacity of a dude buying his wife exercise equipment for christmas as a surprise Mm. like what message are you sending to your wife when right and i'm like listen all the other stuff aside because you would just be able to laugh at the commercial whatever they could have saved themselves by just changing it to oh my god it's just like i asked for or whatever i can't believe you got it for me you know what i mean you completely cut out the whole crap of the giving your wife an exercise thing without her asking right the ad was so bad and people are ripping on it so bad that the stock price of Peloton dropped 10%. <laughs> they lost a billion dollars in market capitalization over this ad. So after all this crap has been going on for the last two or three weeks, the other day, I think it was like Saturday or Friday night maybe, I saw an ad pop up on Twitter. Someone retweeted an ad. It was from Aviation Gin, the Ryan Reynolds Gin. Oh, no. He got the actress... And they did a gin commercial, and it's her sitting at a bar with her two friends, and they never say it, obviously, because they can't say the other brand. Mm -hmm. But it's very obvious it's her two friends consoling her over the ridiculousness of what's going on in her home. And they're consoling her by her slamming back a bunch of martinis. That's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. So after we're done, you're gonna have to watch those two ads. I absolutely back. am. And so, oh, that's tremendous. Like, he's always great. He's always a hundred percent himself, including in his gin commercials, um, and just this whole thing. The the turnaround on do like people have been ripping that ad for literally two weeks, and then he's got this ad out with the girl herself because it's like it's immediately zoomed in on her face. It's like, oh my god, that's the girl from the Peloton commercial. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> that's so good. Continue with free guy. I, I can't. Oh, there's really not much else to say except for the intro of it is amazing, which is text on a screen that says from the studio that brought you Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and the Lion King. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, until you said it when we first started talking about it, I completely forgot Taika Waititi was in that yeah. trailer. Um, he wasn't. Wait, he was. Who was the guy who was uh, with him who, at the bank? Because I remember I recognized it too, and I don't even remember. Oh, 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 uh, um,. Oh, I can't think of his name. To, He's really funny. To, I saw him. Oh, was it what's his name from? Wasn't it what's his name from um, the Jordan Peele one? Um, Will know, Ray. Get out. Will Ray. Yeah, Lil Rel Howery, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Lil Rel. Sorry, I say it right. Yeah, I know. I, well, <laughs> you said it, and then I figured it out. Yeah, because he's yeah, already yeah. immediately like 
owning that scene. Like he just but that the two of them, yeah, drop your gun, uh, everybody on the ground, and you, he he throws off his his belt with a gun on it, and then they both lay on the floor and they're kicking their feet up like like little kids, like dreaming, <laughs> talking it's about. It's great because they look like they like are totally enjoying themselves, even though it should be a really yep. scary moment. Right, because they're NPCs. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I think the concept like, is fantastic. It's just the, the NPC that is always just not 100% doing it right. Yeah. That's what That feels like that's what he's playing. So much so that like in a couple of other scenes, like he's just hit by like three cars. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Oh, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a really silly, really fun uh, popcorn, popcorn chow down. Popcorn chow down, jeez. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're gonna call that. Um, yeah, he's he's a blast. I I still, anytime I think of Ryan, like anytime he comes up, I crack up for like a number of reasons. The two that pop into my head immediately are just friends because I love that movie so much, and waiting because it's one of his. I feel like it's one of his best, most ridiculous roles. I also feel like it kind of was that, and I forget which one came first, that and Van Wilder. But the, that was the beginning of Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds on screen perpetually. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because those two movies came out. Van Wilder, I think, was first. What's that? I think Van Wilder was first. Yeah, but they came out within like a year or two of each other. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, just I I'll never forget the way that he so uh, Anna Fires's character goes. Uh, as we got going, you just became the little engine that couldn't hold his load, and he goes, "What the fuck <laughs> ever?" <laughs> it's just such a great response. <laughs> Uh, he's he cracks me up. He's so good. Uh, still, just friends though. He's on the phone. He's on the phone in the hall, and he's he's calling the girl, the his love interest of the movie, uh, his high school sweetheart. And his mom is in the kitchen, and she gets on the phone, and she tries to call somebody. And he goes, "Mom, mom, I'm on the phone." And she goes, "What are you doing at Choices? No, mom, <laughs> I'm in the hall, not five feet away from you." <laughs> <laughs> he's so good. Uh, moving on, other trailers this week. Yeah, so let's uh, knock out all the trailers week. in one. 007, No Time to Die. Uh, interested? Looks fun? Yeah. I'm more interested than I thought I was going to be. As you know, not the biggest fan of the last set of Bond movies. Love Casino Royale, but I uh, thought it went downhill from there. Um, um, it's been a roller coaster because Quantum was just, I have no idea. I literally retained none of it. Um, mm-hmm. And Skyfall was good. Not great. Uh, some, it was some people's favorites. People were raving about it, and I didn't see it. Yeah. It's funny. I was talking about Gary, uh, Spinchoon mm-hmm. alum Gary, um, who was on with us uh, several weeks ago. Uh, I was talking about it with him the other day, and I don't, I don't think I saw any of them in the theater after Casino Royale, even though I loved Casino mm. Royale. You would have thought I would have been like clamoring to see each of them. In, sure. I've not seen any of them in theater. Oh, wow. That's funny. I've seen every Bond movie in theaters since Goldeneye. That's, that's the the thing is, I loved those growing up. I like. It's not like I'm oh, not yeah. a Bond fan. Like I love some of the classic Roger Moore and, and Sean Connery ones. I'm not a big fan of the uh, Timothy Dalton. Well, he's only two Timothy Dalton ones, right? Um, I think so. And then there was the one George Lazenby. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I've, I've always enjoyed <laughs> Bond in general. Like I haven't, I don't, I haven't seen every one of them. I've seen most of them. I don't retain, right. recall the information on a lot of them. They're just fun. They're fun movies to watch. So you would have thought that I would have, considering I really enjoy Craig's portrayal, love, love Casino Royale. Doesn't make the top three, mm. but it's not that far outside of it. Um, I have not seen any of the other ones in theater. I enjoyed Skyfall. I thought it was, it was really good. Not great, but mm. really good. And yeah. still haven't seen Spectre. 
Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I'll say again. I don't dislike them. Uh, they just not. It doesn't feel. I don't know how to describe the James Bond movie feel, but I thought Casino Royale reinvented it in a way that I really liked. Yes. Uh, but I don't think the other movies carried that the same way that it did. And I don't. It could be the shock value of like the change, but who knows? Uh, this movie, on the other hand, though, feels like a nice. Uh, merger of like the of casino royale plus like some of the brosnan style stunts yeah I, just from the trailer the trailer felt very golden ie to me and i was like i'm in i can see that now the one thing that's interesting about the the craig administration if you will is that it's <laughs> been the only one that's tried to really nail narrative consistency and coherence like it is telling one Bond's oh, yeah. story from start to finish, which yep. was really never the case. You know, there's been winks and nods to ha- past ones, and there, there was a little bits of consistency maybe between some of the Brosnan ones. Um, there mm-hmm. was, it did feel like there was like a a visual house style across the Brosnan ones, where like they yeah. all felt the same of the same era, where that wasn't always the case of the Connery and Moore ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other the Brosnan than, ones are very take me to Yanis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I hear you. Yeah, it is interesting to see like this. I, I don't know if I don't know if maybe that's what's taking away from it a little bit for me is that I kind of like that. Like Mad Max went the other way, right? Where like it's it it looks like Mad Max is going into like the the legend side of like let's just tell a story about this guy. Yeah, he's like part of it. Um, and James Bond was always like, it always felt like these ridiculous tales of James Bond. Yeah. You know? Well, these things always ebb and flow, right? We went from sure. that being kind of the standard, um, the, like, the, was, uh, what's, what's, um, I can't think of the word, uh, like a serial, like comic, like serials, right? Where it's yeah. like, like you said, the legend approach, like something like a James Bond, long, you know, form story, the Mad Max stuff, Indiana Jones, right? Where it's like these serialized comics or even some of like the superhero like the batman movies right um, yeah where they weren't quote-unquote direct sequels a lot with the exception of i guess the two <laughs> not even the two of the same batman but the two with the same robin right uh <laughs> yeah um but where like you know it feels like they're all tales from different points of the same storyline but not directly connected per mm-hmm. se they're not leading from one to the next neatly um and then it's pivoted now into everything is super episodic, where everything right. is IP is all connected and interconnected, looking the marvelization of everything. Um, and that'll continue on for probably 10 sure. years, and then it'll probably start to pivot back again. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, well, we'll see. I, I'm interested. I, I'm, I'm more excited for this than I have been for a James Bond movie in a while. Yeah, I, so, well, it's going to force me to that. finally sit down and watch Spectre at some point in the next few months. Um, which, I, I got... There's a, a, a modicum of hesitation, but, like, whatever. It's two hours. Like, it's not the end of the world. Like, the I, problem I, I with Spectre is that I cannot tell you... I I don't know. 50 guesses. I don't think I'd get to what the movie was about. <laughs> I don't remember. Like, that's, that's, that's bad. Well, it's obviously about Spectre. <laughs> now, I'm not even saying that facetiously, <laughs> like... Like, that's a big deal, looking back at old Bond stuff, right? Blofeld, Spectre, yeah. all of that. Like, that, that, that's a big deal. Hmm. Well, I, I'd be interested to hear your take on it when you see it. Uh, the next trailer that we need to discuss, this is a doozy. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, I, okay, 
I think I've said this before on the show. Not a, I'm not a huge ghost. I like Ghostbusters. I'm not a huge Ghostbusters fan. Correct. I, I'm I'm one of those rare ones that I like the second movie better than the first. You like it I, better? I do. Oh. I think it's more entertaining. Um, it's funny because I've heard a fair amount of people push back and say, listen, it's not nearly as bad as some people make it out. Like there are redeeming, like I like it, I redeeming whatever, but I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone, or at least I don't the recall things- say it's better than the first one. When I remember things from Ghostbusters, they're from the second one. And I could just be the, maybe the amount of times I've seen it when I was younger, whatever. I liked the second now one. Is, I, I would say, is more memorable the same as better, though? Uh, in a movie that, in, in two movies that I don't think are particularly good movies, I think they're fun. See, I really I think, like the first Ghostbusters, but that's it. I'm not, like, witness all of the crap around, and there's more than just that. More than just fandom at play with the crap around the the reboot from a couple of years ago, right? But mm-hmm. um, which we don't need to relitigate. It's all pretty obvious what went on there. I, there was there's a weird hardcore fandom of that material, and I know that there was the animated series, which I barely remember. I know I watched mm-hmm. it a little bit as a kid, but I barely remember it. Um, and I there was some game stuff. Was there comics too? Like there there were people born eighty five and before hold it in a much higher regard than people born in the 90s. Yeah, which I... So, like, I don't get it with that property. Like, I, I don't... It doesn't... Like, it's not something... Like, I get it with Star Wars or Star Trek. There's so much material. Like, I totally get how you could become an obsessive of those things, right? I am yeah. one, to whatever degree. I'm not saying I'm the most. Um, But I really like the first Ghostbusters. It's a good, funny movie. But that's just it you know like i've seen it 10 mm-hmm. times you know what i mean like i i enjoy it if yeah. i see it on tv and i'm not watching anything else i'll throw it on and i'll enjoy it sure yeah no it, like i said fun movie i i i i enjoy it as well uh not my favorite see i barely uh, remember the second one i remember it making me uncomfortable i only really watched it <laughs> one time and i was young I, so i think it's i like the creepy guy I don't remember his the actor's name, but he played the boy who got the shivers, which was another one of those weird movies when I was a kid that was like I, I don't I mean, know the guy like who fairy played, tale theater or something like the that. Guy but who it was Vigo the Carpathian or the other guy? his henchman. Yeah, okay, that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he there's a line from that movie, and I I always butcher lines, but I I remember how they made me feel, if that matters. <laughs> but uh, he uh, the, there's he's walking through while they're like uh they're touching up all the art pieces the art installations and he just uh, he's 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 like kind of losing it like he's like everything's not like nothing's going well and he just points at someone because everything everything that you're doing is wrong i want you to know this (laughs) and and that's just stuck with me i love that so much uh but i don't know i think it's funny this movie on the other hand it looks very different but looks really like it looks like a really good movie It, it feels like a proper reboot yeah um well, it's one of those weird reboots slash sequels, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, I don't know, I guess I prefer that, like, there's a world in which episode seven could have really worked, right? Where it's, we've rebooted in the sense that we're using a lot of the same thematic stuff and this and that, but didn't make it, and it's not a shot-for-shot remake, but it's it's close enough, right, to that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a world where you could have made it work both ways, and I actually prefer that method to just a flat out and out remake of something to then launch IP, which is kind of what the Ghostbusters movie from a few years ago was doing, I think. 
It's what it seemed like. I didn't see it. At least I would assume. No, I didn't watch it either. But from what I gathered, it's not like it's. It wasn't the same universe, right? That, or was that's it? That's my understanding, but I I could be wrong because I, I I thought that that was what they were doing, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Whereas this is doing the reboot with the intent of sequelizing it, but kind of yeah. starting a new story within this thing. It should be more like the revive. Yeah, refresh. Right. Re- no, it's because it's bringing it back to life. Yeah. Right, uh, we got a great cast. Uh, in that we have uh, Mike from Stranger Things. <laughs> That's who I always call him. I think his name. Is, what's his name? I actually have it open here somewhere. Uh, well, first off, we have got Paul Rudd, who we all love and adore. Who, uh, <laughs> who also looks, by the way, like he's having the time of his life. Which right? Okay, so he. I think he probably falls into the category of people that hold Ghostbusters in high regard. That's what I was wondering too, because he looks like he's having way too much fun in what's really only like twenty seconds of screen time on that trailer. Yeah, maybe not even. He's delighted, and it's funny and not in the not in the Phantom Thread sort of way. <laughs> well, I said it to my brother too. I was like, "Oh, did you see? There's a new trailer for a new Ghostbusters, which I knew they were making, but had completely forgotten was a thing." Yeah, and I was like, "It's got Paul Rudd, who looks like he's having the time of his life." And he goes, "But when isn't Paul Rudd having the time of his life?" I said, "You know what? That's a good point." Yeah, yeah, he. He he was in one of those Halloween movies, and he even wasn't bad in that. He looked like he was having fun. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I said there's you know, a couple of like serious roles that he's done where it's like... Good for him, though. We could all use a little Paul Rudd in our lives. Oh, yeah. No, it's not in any way meant to be a knock. Um, oh, yeah. But I'm, I'm into that. Uh, uh, Finn Wolfhard, he plays uh, um, Mike in Stranger Things. He was also in It, in it but he wasn't Mike in It. He was... <laughs> <laughs> which made it very confusing anytime I was trying to talk uh, about yeah. the character. He was the one that became Bill Hader, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, he, I think he's good. <laughs> and then here's what's interesting. Oh, uh, uh, Carrie Coon. McKenna, yeah, Carrie Coon. In, in a uh, McKenna wig? Grace is, uh, she's, she's like the little girl in everything. When you need a good, like an awesome little girl Hello? actress, she's in it. McKenna Grace. That name sounds familiar. She was in, um, uh, that movie. I can't think of that. Uh, hang on. Let me look it up real quick. She was in Gifted. Did you see Gifted? No. With Chris Evans, that was really good. She was in Itania. Um, oh. Okay. She was in Annabelle Comes Home. In what? In what comes home? <laughs> Annabelle Comes Home. Oh. Um, she's in Fuller House. Oh, Gifted. Uh, was that the thing with Chris Evans? She was in Captain Marvel. She's young Carol in Marvel in Captain Marvel. Oh, she was in Designated Survivor. She played. The, yeah. She played the daughter. Hey, she's she's great. She's a very believable actress. Um, and. On top of that, I was going through IMDb. The like almost almost the entire original cast is in it. Well, that, I that was my assumption, despite the fact that they didn't show any of them. But mm-hmm. they did show her panning through all of the suits with the names. The footage. On it. Oh yeah, they also did like the flashback footage, which I don't think is like the crediting, like having them this high in the bill crediting reasons. Yeah, but I, so, I like, thought it's that, gonna be something. Well, the thing is, like I said, I completely forgot they were making this movie. But I thought that was the mm-hmm. point: was that the three surviving members were all gonna be. To some degree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Sigourney Weaver's going to be in it, too. Oh, really? Uh, so that's kind of fun. That. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's casted. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what, like, to what capacity she's in the movie. Um, I'm not seeing Rick Moranis on here. Was he? He was in the second. The first one. He wasn't in the second one at all? Uh, I don't know if he was in the second one, but he was her neighbor in the first no, one. No, I, keeps, I know. Well, but the thing is, when like, he keeps locking—that's a great shtick. When he keeps locking himself out of his apartment, that cracked me up. Well, she. But the thing is, doesn't he ends up with what's her name at the end? Doesn't he? Um, the the secretary, who's the actress. I know, I know her, but I can't think of her name. Um, who was uh, in the second one as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh crap! What's her name? 
going to go back to it. I just had it open. Uh, Annie Potts. Yes, her. She yeah, she was funny. in the second one, so I assume that he was too. She cracked me up. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And he he gets a suit. Uh, oh, does he? <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of hope that he's in it because I just find he's so he's another one of those people like he's gonna do something funny or or make fun of himself in the, just the right way that's gonna make you laugh. So you just wait for it when he comes on screen. I wonder because didn't he like retire from acting a while back? Oh, did he? I don't know. I'm pretty sure he did. Let's see. Yeah, he like wasn't in anything for the last decade. He was in the Goldbergs in 2018. I know, um, but let's, he's reprised his role as Dark Helmet. Um, oh. He hasn't been anything for 10 years. God, what a great... You know what I really need to watch before we see episode 9 is Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Hot. Too hot. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Um, what do we got on this thing? A Cuisinart? <laughs> it's so good. Uh, anyway, the tone of the movie looks really good. It actually looks like a well-done movie. Well, it looks like Ghostbusters meets Stranger Things. Sign me up. That sounds fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm into that. Uh, but yeah, that's 2020, right? That's the summer? Um, sure. Here, why is this movie not coming out on Halloween next year? Like, I don't know, just put it around that time, around spooky time? Spooky movie time? I feel like that's when it should come out. Even if it's not spooky, it's a ghosty movie. Maybe it'll come out to DVD by then. DVD? Who am I? <laughs> Maybe it'll be on Betamax in October. <laughs> the old Laserdisc? Got it on tape. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure it'll be out on digital and 4K. Well, that's what they say in the commercials, right? I guess. No, digital Ultra 4K HD. soon or whatever. 4K Blu-ray. I'm sure you could buy it in October. Maybe that's... Available to purchase in whatever format you prefer. Streaming now. Uh, I don't have any other trailers. Uh, And unfortunately, I don't have any other news because I was... Sorry? I was saying, those were the three trailers I mentioned to you earlier today, so... Oh, okay. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have any other news because as I was trying to gather my news, I came across a Star Wars Episode Nine spoiler which I read half of. Luckily, did not read the second half, which had the answer to the thing they set up. So I know the setup. I don't know the knockdown. Now, was it but... a spoiler or was it a rumor? Oh, no. It was a spoiler, and it was in the title. And we so... know this for a fact. Like, this was something that's from, like, the quote-unquote leaked script, or this is something from, like... An Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter so much anymore, because we're at that point where you're not allowed to talk about it. And... It's Fight Club? And... At, exactly. And there was a great... I don't know if you watched The Big Bang Theory. I was a fan. I do not. But Sheldon said this one thing about, like, that somebody makes a comment, and he goes, spoilers. And he's like, how is that a spoiler? He's like, it, it, I didn't say it happened. I just said that it was good. He's like, well, how did I know that it was going to be good? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like one of those things where, like, regard, like, just don't say anything. Don't say anything. Well, I guess what, and I guess if you put it in your headline, I want to hunt you down. I guess what I was asking, the reason I was asking was because... We know how Abrams operates, so if someone is saying it in an official capacity, it can't sure. be that big of a spoiler at this point. Completely agree. But there's also these rumors of leaked uh, scripts. And that's why which, I was asking what it was. What it was. was it based I, on that, or was it based on an interview? I fully expect that those leaked scripts are planted, and I really hope they are. In which case, I would like to go back and read them after. I would assume they are, because I read one that was everyone was like, oh my god, it totally is for episode 8, and it was absolutely not. That's great. So, That's so good. Since then, I, I, I never gave them too much credence, but since then, I just avoid them at all costs because I know I'm going to be wasting my time. 
Yeah, well, especially yeah, when it exactly. comes to Star Wars one. I also don't want to think about like here. There's also the real possibility that some there's some good fan fiction. Like uh, there's also the possibility that somebody writes something that's incredible and then it's not that, and you go, oh man. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> like that's the thing when it comes to because there is a lot of theorizing with Star Wars, and I will only engage with them if it's on a particularly interesting subject. Like especially if it's not like. This is who's raised parents really are. If it's like, you know, hey, th- we think that this is a thing that could be going on. If it's a particularly interesting topic, I'm like, you know what? Let me take a look at that. And then at the end of it, I'll say, that would be cool. Or, eh, I'll pass. Or, not likely, but cool idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, did, wait, you actually, you never answered me when I talked to you about that. I, I sent you a text about it last week. There was one on episode nine, uh, a theory about Ray's origins. And 99% of the time, those just bore me or annoy me um this one was clever enough and sticks to something that's been kind of a meme around the star wars um series for the last couple of years that i'm not saying i'm rooting for it to be the case in fact i'm not but one of those things where like if that's what they decided to do (laughs) i'm gonna be ever so slightly frustrated but on the other hand you know what fair enough uh here's the theory ray is a clone of luke because remember Eventually, Maz found the lightsaber, and there was a hand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. That's that is so the good. that is the only stupid theory that I will uh, en- that you'll allow engage with allow at all. Because like I'm like you know what, if you're gonna go to those links, God, to f- I can feel it right loop. now. If they do that. There's just going to be the slowest slow turn of you to me in the movie. <laughs> and then yeah. we're going to burst out laughing. I am <laughs> totally on board with what they've given us on face value now. Um, that she's no one because it's in keeping with where... It's in keeping with the whole theme of From Start to Finish Episode 8, that actual story, right? That you don't have to be someone to mm-hmm. be the difference, right? Sure. And that the Force is for everyone, not just for Skywalker or Palpatines or Kenobis or whoever, but the Skywalker saga. Sure. You don't have to be a Skywalker. You can be nobody. Or you could right. be... Right, thus the rise of Skywalker. You become one because that's the next level. Yes, right? Like, that's that whole thing. But if you're going to demand that she has to have an origin somewhere in there, I don't want her to be a clone of Palpatine, and I don't want her to be... Kenobi's secret love child with someone and I don't want him to be Luke's secret love child or a, a daughter that Leia just conveniently forgot about. <laughs> None of those stupid fucking I know things. you. <laughs> All really stupid things. But you know what? If you want to fully close the book on Luke's missing hand, okay, fair enough. Only if, like, I don't know, I feel like R2 is involved in some way in that storyline. <laughs> and when and somebody finds out, he's just whistling his head off. Well, I know that was one of our favorite memes in the lead-up to 8, was the scene of her holding out the lightsaber to him and Luke going, there was a hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's such a good one. So that is the only reason I will in, I will engage with that at all. Is I, You know what? It's funny. Fair enough. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Oh man, that's uh, that's really silly. I, <laughs> I wouldn't be, even be mad. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I would for a minute. I'd be like, oh, you know, it would, you fine, know what it would be <laughs> if that was a thing. That would just be a that would just be the checkmate move against all the trolls that hated it. <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> it would so. just be really funny. Fine, like, we'll you, you know what? Stupid. We we can go nuts. You want to go nuts? 
let's get here's your green milk. Like what? Like I don't know. Like it would be it would be good. Um, I've yeah. That's I can't wait. That's what it's next week. Uh, it is literally. Oh, it's a week days. and a. Oh man, oh, I'm excited. Nine days. I'm excited. I can feel it. I feel it in my bones. Feel it deep in my plums. In my plums. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's gonna be so good i'm so excited me too i'm so excited so next week's episode is gonna be late basically is all you're getting out well, of this well we're still gonna do our instant reaction right yeah i just have to put that together the next day that's so. what i'm saying yeah yeah although did you um, take off work friday or no no i didn't okay because you did that the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah yeah new job i didn't feel like i didn't really want to take the day off but uh it's a. Uh, I'm sure I'll see it a hundred more times. Uh, it's, it's so good. I, uh, if we could, if I had, are there any? I didn't notice any like uh, postings for like the trilogy views of it, like seven, eight, nine. There has to be one somewhere. I'm sure right? there, but uh, I mean, for Batman, it was readily available. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't looked for it though because you booked the ticket, so like it didn't. You know, like, maybe it's they not don't want it on my radar, really. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, well, I guess because they're starting it so early now, they're like, well, if we do the other two movies, we have to start even earlier than that. <laughs> yeah. For it to count, I guess. I don't know. But uh, it'll, it's, uh, it's coming. It's coming in hot. And I'm so ready for well, it. Since you have no more news or nuggets, uh, I still have two. One of them is pretty sizable, though we can change up the length of it based on how you want to engage with what I have for you. But on the topic of Star Wars, in conjunction with me texting you about Luke's hand... I texted you about a new podcast uh, yeah. that released last week, and I don't know if you got a chance to look at that. And I'm guessing you definitely didn't have a chance to listen to it yet. I haven't listened to it. Um, so there is a new podcast uh, near and dear to my heart because it's something we've talked about a bunch on this show. It's called The Rule of Two. It is a Star Wars-themed podcast that seems to be weekly because the newest episode came out yesterday, a week after the first one. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, though. By Amin Hassan, who works for ESPN who we've mentioned several times. They did multiple podcasts for the last few Star Wars movie releases with Freddie Prince Jr. and Pablo Torre. Uh, so this is on the Count the Dings podcast network. Uh, if you haven't heard of that before, they have a bunch of different entertainment and culture and sports shows. The sports shows are all owned by The Athletic now. Count the Dings has a bunch of their different podcasts on different... They do like live shows around. They have like a Patreon for some of their... Um, shows, uh, they're. I think they're. There's like the Daily Ding is like one. It was like their main show. I think uh, they have a weekly Black Opinions Matter Monday. There's Cinephobe, which the Rule of Two is a subset of Cinephobe. Uh, and okay. So there, it's funny how that whole thing started. Um, Adnan Verk, who used to work for ESPN and now works for MLB Network and DAZN, had has a movie podcast, which I still have not had a chance to listen to. Um, but he is a huge cinephile, and his podcast is named Cinephile. He has great, nice. great guests. He gets a ton of early access to all these movies, early screenings. He saw The Irishman like three months ago. Um, right, right. And um, he's done a lot of interviews with actors, actresses, directors, stuff like that. Um, really good show. So Amin and Zach Harper, who works for The Athletic, I think now, he's worked at a bunch of different places. They have Cinephobe, a movie podcast about terrible movies or terribly rated movies and whether that hate is warranted or not nice I, I like that i haven't had a chance to listen to any of it yet but they've been having that going for at least a year now i think 
So underneath the banner of Cinephobe, Amin is now going to have a weekly Star Wars podcast that started last week. The first episode was with Pablo, who was technically the one hosting the shows with Amin and, and Freddie Prince Jr. This week he had Ryan Rucco, who um, works for Yes Network and ESPN. He does play-by-play for the Yankees, for the Brooklyn Nets, and for some of the national basketball games. Um, and he's a huge, huge Star Wars fan. He hosts a podcast called R2C2 with <laughs> Ryan Rucco and CC Sabathia, who was a pitcher for the Yankees for the last 10 years, who is also a huge, huge Star Wars fan. Oh, that's funny. Um, but it's not specifically a Star Wars podcast, but they talk about Star Wars a lot on it. Um, yep. They talk about baseball a lot too, obviously. Um, so he had Ryan Rucco on this week. I believe, not 100% confirmed yet, I believe he's going to have Freddie on either next week or the week after. Cor- mm. Corresponding with um, episode 9. I know you'll be excited for that. I'm super excited yeah. for it. That episode was so good. That It was so much fun. Yes. Um, oh yeah, both the ones that they did. They did the one for episode 8 and they uh, yeah, did the one right. for Rogue One, I think. He's just... Freddie Vrinjuju was just like so into it and he's like he was just a big big ass fan I love that he's a ridiculous super fan and he worked with Dave Filoni for five years so he had access to the keeper of the keys in the current administration the the apprentice to George Lucas himself Dave Filoni is the guy who has all the information they run everything by him basically which is part of why the Mandalorian is so good because he has all the knowledge of what's quote-unquote, true and real in Star Wars, right? All of the That's lore. so funny. Um, now, I'm super excited for when Freddy comes back on again. I hope they yeah. have it. Either, whether it's the week before or the week after Episode 9 comes out, it's going to be a great episode. I'm going to be super excited for it. We're going to talk about it again when it comes out. Absolutely. I know you'll definitely listen to that one, even if you don't Podcasts on podcasts. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what I think the rule of two, rule of two is a super cool idea because... Um, Amin's Twitter handle is Darth Amin. So he is the Sith Lord and he only gets it's one and only one guest with him every week. Nice. And every week the Sith has to kill or be killed master and apprentice. <laughs> so the apprentice gets killed every week and it's a new apprentice every week. <laughs> nice. And so the idea is it'll be something different Star Wars every week. The first episode was What a, if a this is some brilliant plan? What's that? And Freddie Prince Jr. wins, and he hosts the rest of the show. That would be hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be great if, for, for whatever reason, if Amin had some sort of thing going on, and Freddie just comes back the next week and just acts like nothing was going on. But it would be right. still one week, and, <laughs> and then back after that. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be so good. Oh man, anyway, that, that's exciting. I'll listen to that. Anyone else who listens to this is Radar, because especially the week that they get Freddie on, I'm wondering if Amin could get. Because they talked a ton about the making of The Mandalorian. They re- revealed a really cool story about how the Filoni and John Favreau partnership on The Mandalorian came to be. Because uh, the longer story is cooler, but the, 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 the short version of it is when Favreau was making Iron Man, they did some of the effects work at Skywalker Ranch where Filoni right. was working on The Clone Wars. And the two of them... The, it was when he was specifically working on the movie that was the first three episodes of the Clone Wars show. So each of them got to watch first cut of Iron Man and of the Clone Wars movie. And the two of them struck up a friendship because Favreau's a huge Star Wars fan. Sure. And ten years later now, we have The Mandalorian with the two of them running it together. That's funny. That's really cool. Right? 
this universe is so good. I love it. I love everything about it. I love the fan base. Well, the good ones. And I love the <laughs> I love the, the films or the stories. I started reading Thrawn. I'm into that. Oh, you started it's, reading that, really? Oh, the, that's yeah. the, the comic that from within for the last. No, no, it's 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 oh, a the it's trilogy. a yeah. It's a, well, no, it's well not the original Thrawn trilogy. <laughs> the it's a story. It's a new. There's a new Thrawn trilogy, and it's it's within the universe. Oh yeah, that's what I was talking. Wasn't it? Wasn't it a comic or graphic novel? No, it's oh, a novel. It was a novel. Oh, I thought it, I don't Novels, know why I thought it was yeah. a comic. Yeah, but uh, I just started reading that. And it's pretty cool because I the. Man, the Thrawn character on Rebels is so good. And I was just like, yeah, I'm into this. And also, then I saw the books and I was like, I'm into that too. <laughs> also, Lars Mikkelsen was an incredible choice to voice it too. I like that the so, both Mikkelsen brothers are now Star Wars alum. <laughs> I don't know why I like that, but I just do. Because they're great. They're so good. Uh, also, technically, they could have shared screen time at some point because they're right in the same hmm. time period. Rogue One and Rebels basically overlap. Interesting. Interesting. Man, that's fun. I just, I'm, I'm trying to keep my cool before next week. <laughs> Good luck. Because it's just, it's so close. But uh, yeah, media blackout from here. There's going to be no news and nuggets on that episode. That's just all Star Wars all the time. Probably. Well, it depends on if I have anything fun to bring to the that's, table that's at true. the moment. Because I'm more judicious. I'm still, I, my life is extremely online. So I'm still going <laughs> to, <laughs> I'm still nice. going to like be engaging with stuff. I'm just going to be dodging shit. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm not engaging. I'm done. I'm offline until uh well that's not true I have to work but I'm, so <laughs> I'm you're literally gonna be online like all 90% day percent of the days yeah <laughs> all day until the movie <laughs> pretty much yeah uh what are you gonna do what else you got <laughs> oh, so my, fi- my final thing is a pretty substantial it's not a nugget it's a boulder uh, oh. now we can choose to engage with this how long because I'm we're not gonna I'm not it's not gonna be a full blown reading because we could be doing this in the next half hour um, sure, sure. but. I feel like it's going to be substantial conversation. Do you know who Alan Sepinwall? The name sounds familiar. So he is a TV reviewer slash critic who worked okay for Rolling Stone. He's worked for okay. other publications in the past. Really, really good writer. Mm-hmm. Really good reviewer. Um, he also he's been really well known in the past year or so because he wrote a book with Matt Sollerzice about um, the 20th anniversary of Sopranos. It was a, the two of them co-wrote a book called The Soprano Sessions. In which there was a bunch Is it of, possible that you brought that up once before? Uh, I did because I was watching. Maybe that's the, why the name sounds familiar. I was watching The Sopranos at the time that the 20th anniversary specifically was coming about. Okay. So I believe I did mention that at that time. Um, so that's what he's known for. He's a really, really good reviewer. I don't read his stuff all the time, but when I come across it, I always try and make a, a point to read it because he's sure. a really, really good writer. Um, so he released a bunch of year end lists. Um, but one okay. in particular I found of interest, uh, it's the 50 best shows of the 2010s. And oh, the, oh, okay. So there were some rules here. Um, I'm not going to read the whole intro, but there was a specific one here. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to find the right. Oh, here, the rules. The last time I ranked this many shows, there were a lot of rules involved. Here we decided on only two. The majority of the episodes of each show had to have aired in this decade and no more than two seasons can have aired prior to 2010. So Breaking, qualifi- Breaking Bad qualified for both those rules, but Mad Men only qualified for the first rule. So it would have made the top 10 just based on its 2010 seasons, but not the second. There was too many seasons aired prior to 2010, so Mad Men is not on this list. Got it. Um, and also, they don't 
it largely forgoes miniseries, even great ones, things that are just one season. Yeah, legit TV series. Yeah, they wanted things that were intended to be more than one season, even if they didn't necessarily go past it. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I felt like I could do is read them to you in ten, one in like ten, like ten blocks, like shows blocks. Yeah, particular one that we want to discuss. Fine, and then we could have a more meaningful discussion on maybe the top ten. Spoiler alert. This conversation is going to be a lot more fun than the movie conversation that we're about to have. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so it sounds like we're on the same page with the movie. Yeah, I'm not let's do this. I'm this sounds fun. Uh, so number 50, The Good Wife. Number okay. 49, Baskets. Uh, if at any point, I'll try and give a quick pause. If you want to stop me, fine. But I figured we could do a wrap-up at the end of each 10. Yeah, go, go, go. Number 48, Banshee. Number 47, Men of a Certain Age. Which I forgot was in this decade. Um, number 46, New Girl. Nice. Number 45, Parenthood. Nice. I figured you'd like that. Uh, number 44, Jane the Virgin. Okay. Number 43, Gravity Falls. That's an animated show on Cartoon Network for anyone who doesn't know. Um, number 42, Transparent. Mm-hmm. Number 41, Mr. Robot. Ooh, okay. 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 So I will kick this off because we didn't technically do a what we're watching. Uh, I have wanted to start watching that show for quite some time since after the first season ended. Finally got around to it this weekend after reading this thing. I was like, you know what? Because at the bottom of it, it says uh, all the seasons except for the new season that's, I think, starting really soon. It was all on Amazon Prime. I was like, you know what? I have no fucking excuse at this point. It's all available sure. to me. Because that was what it was. I just didn't have it all available to me. Mm-hmm. Started watching it. Watched the first four episodes. I'm enjoying it so far. It's not exactly what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize how deeply it gets into, like, depression and, like... Yeah, it's pretty real. Mental illness and stuff like that and drug use and shit like that. Did you watch? The first season is very good. Yeah, I did. I, well, I well, here's the thing. I really, really, really liked the first season, and I just, for whatever reason, could not get into the second. Oh, interesting. Unless I couldn't get into the third and I blended the two together, but I don't Because I remember the, by the... I don't remember... After the first season, right after it, people were raving about it. I was like, man, I could have used this information weeks ago. I would have found a way to watch the first couple episodes and then been on board. Yeah, yeah. Didn't hear about it till after the first season was over. Never was able to catch up to... How her. many seasons are there? I think the fourth or the fifth season is what's coming out. Yeah, I think I, it's I'm pretty sure I only got through the first. I think it's the fifth season's coming out. I think it's supposed to be the final season. I actually thought it had ended with the last season, but I guess I was wrong. Uh, okay. Uh, But I think, like, five days from now, wherever the new season starts off. Cool. Um, Cool. Okay, next block of ten. Just before you get into that, uh, New New Girl and Parenthood, two tremendous shows. Huge fan of both of them. Uh, I'm going to have to hear the rest of this list. It feels a little low, but for those... I'm surprised. I would have thought New Girl would have been slightly higher. Um, I, for the most part, don't have really any issues. I mean, there's a couple of things that would have moved up four or five spots, or down four or five spots. But most of it all feels pretty... Right, I mean, I something like Gravity Falls. Like I've heard of the show, know nothing of it. Sure. I'm surprised to see it on this list. Period. There's a couple of animated shows, even some like specific like, like kid type shows, but not most right. of it's not. Um, there's a pretty healthy amount of drama and comedy stuff. There were some Which things I already that, appreciate. There were some things that were really high on here that I was surprised, but like in a good way, where it's like, oh, I would put it up there. I'm surprised. Like, yeah, that, that you did. Yeah, and there were some things like yeah, like I would have thought New Girl might have been slightly higher, but not really yeah. like. I'm just glad it's on the well, list. Well, you know I, mean? I can only operate within the like the scope of the things that I've actually seen, and personally, I would put New Girl and Parenthood above Mr. Robot, but that's fine. Okay, interesting. Still, well, still, no, but the, that's, uh, that's the, good because the recognition, just... 
the recognition so, is good enough. So yeah, well, the, I will say here there was a, some there was something in here. Um, they were talking about how it was kind of flipped on its head, where it was like they were going to do the quirky thing with Zoe de Chanel, and the guys were going to play the straight men, and they realized, oh, these dudes are really funny, so that they kind of flip flopped the two back and forth as they were going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then here, this is why it's lower. The series suffered from narrative ADHD. The slightly more focused second season, which teased out a romance between Deschanel's Jess and Johnson's eccentric bartender Nick, was by far its best. <laughs> until it eventually gave up on that plot altogether. Understanding Got your that- cookie, gave you cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Understanding that all viewers wanted was to see likably funny people be likable and funny. Right. Um, and season three really does go hard off the rails to the point where I was like, "Jesus, kind of <laughs> sucks." Oh, oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> Of all the times I've caught you with the spit take, that was not the one I don't that know I why that was funny. That was not the one I expected to get you on. I, you know what it was? I like very vividly remembered getting into like an area of that show being like, well, <laughs> okay, it, so I, this I, recap is good. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Hang on, I gotta clean. I have to clean water off of a lot of things right now. <laughs> Go on. Number forty, Steven Universe. It's a Cartoon Network show. Um, actually, wait, wasn't that the show that... That's the, yeah, that's the game Brian's That Brian was just reviewing. talking about playing the game for an Apple Arcade. Look for that yep. review soon on the Spin Tune. <laughs> Brian seems to really enjoy that game based on that show. Number 39. Just, for a guy who has... who He complains about time. I just don't know where he's finding it <laughs> to play through these games. It's at work. Uh, number 39. <laughs> girls. Number 38. Pose. On FX. Number mm-hmm. 37. Master of None. Number 36, You're the Worst. Number 35, The Legend of Korra. That's the sequel show to Avatar, The Last Airbender. Uh, number 34, The Deuce. Number 33, Key and Peel, which I believe should be higher on this list. I love that show. Number 32, Catastrophe. Number 31, The Good Place. Nice. So, thoughts on that bank of 10? Uh, glad Good Place is on the list. Not really. Don't really care too much about where. Just yeah. I think it's I think it's a top fifty contender. Uh, Key and Peele. I while I only am familiar with a handful of episodes that I have seen and like the skits that people have shared with me. Uh, it's tremendously funny and so clever that I think that it it, it probably should be higher. But that's I, bar- I, basically the short version of what they wrote. <laughs> Incredibly oh, nice. funny, tremendously clever, and also the funny. Thing Wait, does it really say that? <laughs> Uh, often when comedians transition into working with darker material, it's a shock. But few who watched the five hilarious seasons of Key and Peele could have been startled by how great Jordan Peele has been at crafting horror movies like Get Out and Us. The, comedians, the Comedy Central sketch series began as a relatively gentle but funny exploration of Keegan-Michael Key's uh, Peele and Keegan-Michael Key's place in America as biracial men not fully comfortable in either black or white culture. See the pair as gentrified businessmen trying to one-up each other at a soul-fooled restaurant or Key playing with President Obama's anger translator, Luther. In time, though, Key and Peele became famous for its commitment to its jokes and to the fundamental darkness lurking underneath them. Liam Neeson's, though. What's that? (laughs) Liam Neeson's, though. Yeah, that Liam Neeson's, though. When when Peele played Family Matters star Reginald Vell Johnson, complaining (laughs) about the increased prominence of Steve Urkel, the sketch (laughs) ended on a note as terrifying as our first glimpse of the sunken place. Uh, (laughs) So good. All right, number 30, Enlightened, which I did not recall this show, uh, like just like being aware of it. It's a Laura mm-hmm. Dern show on HBO. Okay. Uh, Treme, also an HBO show. Uh, Broad City from Comedy Central. Veep from 27. Veep should definitely be higher on this list. Uh, also, I completely forgot, brief tangent here, 
I need to send you a trailer. There's a new show from Armando Iannucci, the guy who created Veep, who did The Death of Stalin. Mm-hmm. There's a new show on HBO coming out in January, made by him, with Hugh Laurie. Oh, and I saw a trailer for that. Did you see it? Yeah, the trailer oh. wasn't great. No, but it doesn't matter. I'm in. Okay. Just um, Hugh Laurie and uh, Armando Iannucci, I'm in. It's got a cast, for sure, but I, I just the trailer was, did that, not execute that, well. That creator, Hugh Laurie was on Veep for a while. That creator, that actor... The premise, cool. I'm in. The, I, okay. I agree. Like the, there was nothing special about the trailer. I'm in on the premise. Okay. Um, number 26, Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> number 25, Watchmen, which is incredible because the first season has not ended. Interesting. And I will read you that one now because I watched... There's one episode left in the season. It is insanely... Um, really? Considering this HBO series debuted only seven weeks ago, it seemed unfair to, at first to pit such a small sample against shows that were either complete or have been running several years now. In parentheses, ditto Netflix's Great Russian Doll. But the more we saw of Damon Lindelof's racial remix of the legendary comic, where he pits costumed cop Regina King against an army of masked white supremacists, with periodic trips to the 20s, the 30s, and a moon of Jupiter, the more it proved itself a clear contender for a spot on this list. Watchmen is that audacious, that exciting, that forceful about what it has to say regarding America's terrible legacy of race relations. At this writing, I haven't seen the finale, which could stumble so badly, <laughs> or, parenthetical, likely, like Lindelof's previous HBO series, The Leftovers, and so triumphantly, that I'll wish I'd placed it much lower or higher. For safety, if not for posterity, it lands right here in the middle of the list. Clever. Number 24, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Nice. <clears throat> Number 23, Brockmire. Which, I was surprised it got high, that, that high on this list. I really love the show. It's ridiculous. Okay. Um, and also, wait, where's the line in here? Heck Azaria in the live-action part he was born to play is Jim Brockmire, a honey-voiced baseball announcer infamous for the on-air meltdown he had upon discovering his wife's infidelity. <laughs> Years later, now a sexual libertine himself with a taste for every illicit substance known to man, Brockmire attempts to start over in baseball from rock bottom, narrating every event in his life like it's a double to the gap in left. <laughs> That's clever. Yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, oh, you are you are you familiar with the show? No. Oh, really? No, never heard of it. Uh, I'll send you the very first scene of the show because it's incredible. Okay. <clears throat> it's what hooked everyone. Um, number twenty-two, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Number twenty-one, Orange is the New Black. Okay, so a couple notes here. Uh, Orange is the New Black. I think it's in the probably in the right spot. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I gotta say, I, again, I would probably go higher. It's just, it's. I think the show, the show is so clever, and the characters are so funny. Even though it's stupid, it comes across as stupid. But the, a lot of the things that they're doing are just like really well executed, and the character, uh, the, the chemistry between the actors and actresses on the show are is just phenomenal. And everybody is like, every character I feel like grows on you and gets on your nerves in just the right amount, like like in equal parts. And it's just, uh, I, I just find it to be hysterical, including. But not limited to the captain, uh, Andre Brower. He is so, so good in this show. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Andre, Andre Brower made this list twice. He was in Men of a Certain Age. Nice. Yeah, he's he's hysterical. He's so um, he's very like I don't know like he he doesn't really like do sarcasm and he's like very to the point and like when he tries to burn someone, <laughs> it's just it's so stupid. I've seen some clips with him. I know uh, he plays like the straight man. He's he what? I said, I know he plays like the straight man. Yeah, that's a an interesting pun. I know, I know he's a, gay. I know a his gay man on the gay show. On the show. <laughs> <laughs> but he plays the straight yeah, man yeah. from the comedic standpoint. For sure. 
uh yeah he's he's just so funny uh, and also it's got my uh my my manzukas in it here and there and i love him so also weird side note on manzukas just because i happen to catch it I derek what's up <laughs> he just his character in the good place uh, he says his name all the time have you you remember um again i know you don't have a tv um <laughs> <laughs> the uh you're familiar with those stupid mucinex commercials that tj miller used to voice the uh TJ Miller used to voice like the 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 mucus in the Mucinex commercial. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and he got fired eventually because of you know TJ Miller being TJ Miller. Sure. Um, and Jason Mantukas is replaced. Oh God! At least I'm 99 percent sure it's him. I was just walking by the TV. Yeah, pretty iconic voice. And the it's commercial was him. on, and as I was walking by, I was like, "That's Jason Mantukas." And like my mom and dad were watching TV, and they're like, "Who?" I said, "It doesn't matter. That's Jason Mantukas." Uh, <laughs> did, have I have I explained to you his character in the Good Place? I think I did, maybe on the show before. Yes. All right, but the, in in one of the scenes, so he he has a martini glass. In in a handful of episodes, he's got a martini glass, and it's usually filled with things that is not a martini, like <laughs> Legos or corks or just olives. And it's so sans good. martini. <laughs> yeah, like a full martini glass of olives. Nice. <laughs> but then he tries to drink it. It's so good. <laughs> Does he then choke to death? No, no, he just chews it awkwardly. It's weird. It's I love him. He's so funny to me. He is. He's a funny dude. Um, okay, number 20. Uh, I was not familiar with the show, and now I'm intrigued by it, and I want to go watch it. The show is called Review on Comedy Central. Are you familiar with it? No. No? No. Oh, no. sorry. I didn't hear you say anything, and my eyes were I think it got. Yeah, I think it got cut. Okay. There are performers who are said to be game for anything. Then there's what Andy Daly did as reviewer of life, Forrest McNeil, a depressingly chipper and oblivious wasp, who made it his mission to experience and review whatever his audience asked him to, from something silly like eating 15 pancakes in one sitting to something horrible like divorcing his wife. <laughs> and then in the series Masterstroke, following that by immediately having him eat 30 pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> the series, adapted for Comedy Central by Daly and others from an Australian show, was a loose collection of sketches that were hilarious on their own as far as continually and voluntarily made an ass of himself. But what made it extraordinary was the way the American Review slowly but surely depicted the show within the show, destroying every aspect of Forrest's life, because he could never bring himself to say no to anything. Fifteen is an upsetting number of pancakes, and three was a painfully number, painfully funny number of review seasons. While I'm not familiar with either of the shows, it seems wrong that that would be higher on the list than Veep. I agree, which, okay. means, which is part of why I'm intrigued to watch it. yeah. Fair enough. Number 19, Bob's Burgers. Okay. Number 18, Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, you like that. I did, and that's what surprised me. I expected it to be like 48, and for sure. it to be 18 like really Like break the me. list, but not, yeah. It really surprised me. I really liked the show. I didn't realize that anyone else did this much. <laughs> you sure. know what I mean? Because it sounds like he liked it even more than I did. Um. When this drama about the rise of personal computers and the internet debuted, it seemed an inspired rehash of elements from other prestige cable dramas, particularly ones from the same network, AMC. Lee Pace's slick, enigmatic salesman Joe McMillan felt like Don Draper in 80s fashion, while Scoop McNary's bitter engineer Gordon Clark could come across as a less homicidal Walter White. By the end of its bumpy first season, though, Halt revealed itself to be much less interested in anti-hero cliches than it was in powerfully depicting the ways that we connect with one another and how technology can bring us closer or push us apart depending on how it's used. By quickly expanding the roles of antisocial software designer Cameron Mackenzie Davis and Gordon's gifted wife Donna Carrie Bechet, 
and by making their partnership the series' emotional centerpiece, Halt quickly left the knockoff and accusations behind and transformed into its own incredibly moving story. Hmm. Which kind of fits with how I felt about the show, too, because I thought the first season was a little bit rough because the characters were just a little too standoffish to each other at all times. Sure. And as they eventually let those guards down a bit, and don't get me wrong, they clash with each other a ton off and on in different and interesting ways over the course of it until things are irreparably broken by the end for the most part, um, and only tragedy really forces them to come back together again. Um, the first season was so rough that I was concerned about it going forward, and I ended up really, really liking the show. Though, again, not as much as he did. I wouldn't have put it this high even on my list, per se. Right. Um, this next one, though, as happy as I am that it made it on here because it was criminally underrated, I would have put even higher. And the number 17 is Hannibal. Okay, yep. Which, as you and anyone who's listened to the show for a while has known, I adore that show. It was incredible. Way, way, way better than it had any right to be, which also he had like alluded to here. And while the final part of this... Actually, I guess I'll just read you the whole thing. Long swaths of this adaptation of Thomas Harris's Hannibal Lecter novels, starring Mads Mikkelsen as the titular cannibal serial killer, presented itself as the nightmare visions of unwell FBI profiler Will Graham, played by Hugh Dancy. The series itself still feels like a dream. How in the world did a show this gory, and more importantly, this queer in every sense of the word, parenthetical, Hannibal and Will were clearly one another's one true pairing, run for three seasons on a broadcast network, NBC. Which is what I thought from the beginning. How does this show exist on NBC? Sure. Hannibal showrunner Brian Fuller got away with a lot because the series was basically a foreign acquisition that cost far less than another Chicago Fire spinoff would have. And while the last thing the world needed this decade was another serial killer story, let alone another one about this particular killer, Hannibal's Baroque style was so absurdly gripping that the series often felt less like a thriller than abstract science fiction. We didn't need it, but thank goodness we got it. (laughs) I love that show. If there's something that you ever want to, if you're like ready for like your recommendation, I've been pushing you for years on it. That show. But does it have an ending? Uh, Um, yes and no. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, well, it was only th- it was only three seasons though. Don't love that, but yeah, well, it was more because the show got canceled. I, I know that why not really a good reason for it. The thing is, they knew it was coming, so they ended the show, but okay. they still left a thread that if they got picked up, that they could continue. And crazily enough, there's still a chance it could get picked up again at some point in the next year uh, or two or three. Sure, sure. Uh, number sixteen, Fargo, which also a tremendous, tremendous show. Um, number 15, Game of Thrones. Uh, number 14, Twin Peaks, The Return. Number 13, Community. Nice. Number 12, Terriers, which I had never heard of before. Um, and number 11, Better Call Saul. Nice. Okay. Okay. Game of Thrones, probably at a good place on the list. Yes. And there was an allusion to that, that basically the final two seasons, had they not gone the way they did, would have been probably easily top 10. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. No, but but better this way, and also like I feel like there's something. Soul was what eleven? Eleven, correct. That's the right spot for it. I would even go higher. Even go higher. I think it's a really good. I I, I think eleven's good because I think it it needs the. I don't think it's a necessarily a top ten of the decade show, but I do think that it is. If it's not there, it's very close, and I feel like that's like the the right acknowledgement of that show, right there. Well, I'll read this. Perhaps the clearest example of the Alonzo Mourning gif, which if you don't not familiar with it, it's a basketball player like sitting down on the ground and he's looking and he's like, huh, huh, 
<laughs> yeah. I figured you've probably seen it even if you yeah. didn't know that it was Alonzo Mourning. In televised form is Better Call Saul, a Breaking Bad prequel telling the origin story of Walter White's slick lawyer, Saul Goodman, or as he's called here so far, Jimmy McGill, played by Bob Oden. Breaking Bad was so perfect that any spinoff seemed destined to be lit down, and one about a relatively thin character like Saul seemed a particular folly. Even Saul co-creator Vince Gilligan thought so for a while. Instead, AMC's Saul has proven so emotionally complex, particularly in depicting Jimmy's relationships with his arrogant brother Chuck, Michael McKean, and tenacious girlfriend Kim, Rhea Seahorn, that it stopped being surprising a few seasons ago to hear people suggest they prefer it to the original series. Essentially, two shows in one, the other shows the unflappable Mike Ehrmantraut by played by Jonathan Banks, as he gets deeper into the local drug cartel. That side of things is more susceptible to playing like Breaking Bad fan service, but both halves demonstrate the technical mastery and commitment to character that made Breaking Bad an all-time classic. And I yep. agree. At, at this point, I really don't think it's ridiculous to have the conversation that it might be better than Breaking Bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm not there yet, but I could, I'm not opposed to the conversation. <laughs> that's, well, that's what, I'm not ready to definitively say it. I'm ready to have the conversation. Yeah. Number 10, Better Things. Uh, that's an FX show that I've never watched. Um, number nine, Rectify, which I never heard of. Uh, it's a Netflix show. Number eight, okay. Justify. Wait, okay, so Netflix show counts? Yes. Okay. Um, number is eight was th- Justify, which surprised me to see it this high. I'm not surprised it's on the list. I'm I'm just surprised to see it this high. There's a set of shows that I haven't heard, and we're in the we're in the the higher level right now, and I'm like, huh, okay. Well, it's you know, like, Justified with Timothy Olyphant. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just like, I have a set of shows that I just wrote down that like popped off the top of my head that I haven't heard, and I'm co- getting concerned. I'm uh, already concerned. Uh, number seven, Atlanta. Okay. Uh, which I've heard really good things. Yeah, I, I feel like I would like that show. get to that sometime soon if I can. Number six, criminally underrated, The Americans. Okay. Um, number five, Fleabag. Oh, thank God. Okay, that was on my list. <laughs> so I, I definitely I knew it was going to be on here. I was a little surprised it was quite this high, considering it was only two seasons. I'm okay with it being this high. It's, it's that... Oh, man, there is such mastery displayed in that show. Like, it's, it's so good. I'm going to watch it soon. I just... Mr. Robot called to me first. Sure. Flea, Fleabag is just a tremendous ride. It's so much fun. Number four, BoJack Horseman. Okay. A- absolutely worthy. I love that show. Number three, Breaking Bad. Number two, Parks and Recreation. Oh, damn. <laughs> yes. I figured it was going to be a definite top ten. I was surprised to see it this high. <laughs> That's awesome. Losing the episodes from 2009 is even less painful here than it is with Breaking Bad. All that cost us is the NBC sitcom's most underwhelming first season, where Amy Poehler, civil servant Leslie Nope, mostly came across like a clueless cousin of The Office's Michael Scott, plus right. a handful of episodes from the start of season two, where co-creators Mike Daniels and Mike Schur we're starting to figure out how best to write Leslie, less oblivious, more friendly force of nature. Her stoic, meat-loving boss, Ron Swanson, Nick Offerman, <laughs> eager puppy dog, Andy Dwyer, Chris Pratt, and the rest. On May 13th, 2010, an episode called Master Plan added Adam Scott as button-down numbers man and future Leslie love interest. And that's when and Wyatt, the show started. And Rob Lowe as terrifyingly enthusiastic political fixer Chris Traeger. <laughs> and? To the ensemble. And <laughs> And Parks went off on one of the great runs in sitcom history. A sincere and sincerely ridiculous ode to civil service, friendship, and breakfast foods. Parks captured Obama-era optimism to a T. I've been mastering this recipe for the past 15 years of my life. This is better. (laughs) (laughs) And number one, a slight surprise, despite my own personal enjoyment for the show. And 
Also, I, honestly, I wouldn't rank it. My number one show would be The Americans, um, of course. Um, but number one is The Leftovers. Interesting. Didn't see that coming. Uh, I'm not terribly surprised um, because some people hold it with that sort of regard. I don't quite, um, just because there were some wild shifts in tone, specifically as transitions from first to second season. And I wasn't as enamored of the finale as so many other people were, despite my enjoyment of it. Um, some people hold it as like this one true thing. And as far as finales go, I actually would would, would rank Breaking Bad's over this one. Um, I get why they ended it how they did. Um, and I get why people love it. But for me, I am still left slightly disappointed by it. Uh, but I will read the blurb since it is warranted with the number one show. 2% of the world's population just vanished without any explanation from either science or religion. What now? Damon Lindelof and Tom Parada's adaptation of Parada's novel about the aftermath of this sideways rapture was often, particularly in its bumpier first season, just funny because I really love the first season, among the most emotionally grueling television dramas of this or any other decade. It did not flinch in the face of the grief and madness of characters like irrational small-town cop Kevin Garvey, Justin Thoreau, his mute wife Lori, Amy Brenneman, or especially Nora Durst, Carrie Coon in an all-time performance, who lost her husband and both kids in what became known as the sudden departure. But that commitment to exploring the heartache of this parallel reality also meant that Lindelof Parada, director Mimi Later, who she directed most of the best episodes of the show, and company were remarkably well-equipped to delve into its odder, even funnier aspects. The show's slightly less grim second and third season stack up comfortably with the best that HBO's classic dramas of the previous decade had to offer. His character traveled to Texas, then Australia, and occasionally to a hotel in the afterlife, where Kevin had to sing karaoke to make it back to his family in the real world. Where Lindelof's Lost was attacked for not providing satisfying answers to the island's mysteries, the leftovers began by promising that it would never explain the departure. Then Nora kind of did anyway in the gorgeous finale, but in a manner that felt utterly true to the spirit of this amazing, inscrutable achievement. No show of the 2010s was sadder, or more cathartic, especially as our own world began to make less and less sense, but no show was also more creative or unexpected or just plain entertaining as The Leftovers could be. I will say, the, I will say the Afterlife episodes are by far some of the best television I've ever watched, um, specifically the first and last one that they do. Um, they're very, very Kevin-centric episodes, which most of the show was anyway, um, though not 100% of the time, obviously. Um, they were so absurd, but so well done and so surreal, um, that I was just enthralled from start to finish of those episodes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It, more and more, I'm interested in watching it. Just, it, it'll probably, I don't know when that will come around, but. I'm the thing sure. is, it's not really that long a watch. It's only three seasons. The sure. last season wasn't even a full 10 episodes, I don't think. So it's a reasonable list by this person. Sure. Um, I the, the the things that were not on the list that I uh, that that are well there, there's some that I have here quick ones that like just popped into my head that are like I I they would definitely be on my list maybe you either didn't see them or maybe for whatever reason you have something against them but uh, I'm sorry which is on Netflix is I, I would absolutely be in my fifty. Uh, Flea, I was getting real worried about Fleabag not being in there because it was like if you didn't if with all of the popularity around it. If you saw it, it would be in that list. And no, it would that, be was high. Always, that was always going to be on this list. So that's that's good. Uh, very surprised that The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel wasn't on it. Uh, I would have pegged that for somewhere in the 40s. I, I would probably put it higher than that. I, I think that well, I haven't watched it, but just based good. on what I've seen and heard of it, I would have pegged it yeah, for somewhere. It, I, I love it. Um, 
I actually for I don't know for some of the other like other comedies other things that were on there I actually so Silicon Valley just ended um, mm-hmm. which I actually had on my list of things to, to quickly wrap up on uh, it, it was so here's the thing Silicon Valley is is so good at doing and it's I'm I'm a little too close to it because it's so good at depicting my world <laughs> like it's like it's too good at it in a lot of ways where sure it like it makes it you know it dramatizes it makes it a lot funnier and like makes it really ridiculous but some of the most ridiculous things that happen in that show are like things that i've encountered <laughs> and it's and i think that's what makes it so funny to me but the fact that they were able to do it so well and the fact that um uh, brian has come on uh, uh has has taken to twitter and said that season five was his finale of that show not season six yeah uh, so. <laughs> i uh while i understand what he's saying uh, there the show has has always had this pattern of of bringing you up and then kind of letting you down but it's part of the writing it's like intentional and uh if you thought that that was going to change that's on you that's so that's you know, that's kind of it's just uh it, it's it's i think it stayed true the whole way through uh really i it did think it was very funny it's a little flat for doing the way that it handled it but it was true to form mm. um but i thought that maintaining its identity throughout the show like it did better than a lot of tv does and growing in the characters while still letting them be somewhat awful in a lot of ways <laughs> like it, it, it did a, it did a good job and i think that that should be on a, a top 50 list uh, when did Lovesick come out that it's not on this list? Okay, because that's a missed opportunity. Uh, that's um, top ten for sure. I was gonna say I wouldn't question Seppenwall's uh, credentials as far as just watching a fuck ton of TV, but it's mm. entirely possible he just didn't see that one. You know what sure. I mean? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and I mean, I, yes, I'm a Star Wars fan. I might be a little bit in over my head. Rebels is a really good TV show. Like it's a great Star Wars show. It's a great cartoon. It's a it's a good it's a really good TV show. I would put it in over some of the animated ones that were on there at least. Um I don't sure. know about and some of the other ones. The thing is I at least have heard of all but like four or five of these shows. Oh, um, there's a ton on there that I haven't heard of, but that's um, that's because I'm not super in tune with all of the TV that's out there. Yeah. Well, and obviously I didn't watch everything. I watched a lot of it, or at least I've seen bits of a lot of it. Um, so even some of the ones that I haven't seen, but I'm aware of, I was like, yep, I could totally see what that, like, like Fleabag. I haven't seen it. Totally expected it to be on there from everything I've heard. It's totally justified being on there. Mm. Yeah. Well, okay. So were you not up in arms about Archer? I'm, I'm just, um, I'm not terribly, well, you know, no, cause there were some other shows on there that didn't, um, that were like made like mention of the fact that like not the whole run of the show was perfect. That show, the good was so good that yes, that absolutely should be on this list. Yeah. yeah. Um, not most, having gotten through all of it, I agree that it should be on the list. Most of this list though feels right, even if you quibble about some of the specific rankings. I'm so <laughs> glad that something like Hannibal made it on because right, right. it's so worthy and not enough people did watch it. Um, despite the fact that it was on a major network, it's not like it was hiding somewhere on some streaming service, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that is an incredible show for anyone who hasn't watched who wants to watch something that's just so incredibly well made um, and especially after early on in the show it suffers from network TV syndrome of sure. like killer of the week and we don't always advance the central story enough but they shake that off after like the first few episodes for the most part and okay. from halfway through the first season and none of the seasons are long this isn't like 20 episode seasons I don't like think? 10 or so 10 12. yeah it was like 12 or 13 i think okay i, I think I, I could be misremembering it's been now a few years um from midway through the first season 
until the end of the second season, it's as good of a run of television as you'll find. Nice. Um, it's really incredible. I'm not even huge into that sort of material, usually, despite my own personal love for Dexter. Um, the, that's the show, not my brother's dog. Uh, <laughs> um, but the performances of the leads, uh, all four of them, Mads Mikkelsen, um, Carolyn Davernis, who played uh, Dr. Alana Bloom, Hugh Dancy as well, Lawrence Fishburne as, uh, as Jack, oh my God, now, um, the FBI, the guy who's in charge of the investigation of the FBI. The four of them are incredible. All the other supporting players that feature heavily, um, like uh, Raul Esparza plays uh, Dr. Chilton, who runs the asylum, um, and a handful of other people too. The, I forget the, the actress who played Freddie Lowndes. Um, What's her name from Veep 2, uh, whose name I'm forgetting, who was often on the show. They all did an incredible, incredible job with their performances. The writing is really, really strong. There's nice. some some visuals that you can't even believe for just some network show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, really, 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 really good show. Nice. I uh, I will say the, the, the a weird thing to, to force credibility of this list and uh, just a, a round of applause. Putting Parks and Rec at number two, like... Good for him because, like, that is a like I appreciate that because that, that that show does have it's got so much going for it. Yeah, and and yes, it's a bumpy first season. It's a it's a very dismissible first season. Well, and like you said, the first season technically doesn't even like apply because it's two thousand nine. Right, uh, but the yeah, as soon as uh, as soon as uh, Ben and Chris join the show, then the whole cast is com- is made, and then it. it because they were the thing is those characters leslie works so well with each of the characters individually and like while some of them don't drive together she's always like the central point that like they can all kind of connect with and it's just so funny and i don't know what is going on with the writing of that show but it really it really tickles me oh mike sure is so funny uh he's an incredible writer so i feel like when i watch that show i feel like i laugh like ron swanson yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like just that giggle, that pure delight. Well, you, well how, one of the reasons you know it's an all timer is it launched so many careers. That's true. You know what I mean? Like that put um, Amy Poehler on the map. Like people knew her from Saturday Night Live. That put her on the map. No one knew who Nick Offerman was, and now he's like everyone's favorite like dad comedian. Yeah. Um, Aziz Ansari has become this whole thing. It launched a absolute superstar in Chris Pratt. Yeah. Um, and Aubrey Plaza's gotten super, like, famous from it. I, she was the one I definitely didn't expect to come out being really popular and well known after that. And she mm-hmm. done, she's done a ton of big roles now. Um, yeah. I, it, I mean, if if you can launch that, it re revived Chris, uh, not Chris, Rob Lowe's career for the thirteenth yeah. time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it made Adam Scott a thing. Like, I, I don't know. Calzones, man. It's, it's, it's in the cones. You the forgot. Cones of Dunja. <laughs> I got my sister for her birthday. I got her a Cones of Dunshire notebook. Oh, fan. <laughs> and an Entertainment 720 mug. <laughs> oh. It, it, launched, it launched his career, too. I made my money the old-fashioned way. What's his name? I can't I, I can't got remember. hit by Lexus. <laughs> What, what the hell is his name? I can't even think of his name right now. I know uh, John Raphael, but I can't think of the actor's name. Schwar. Schwar. Yes. Something. A Schwartz. Schwartz. Thing. The Schwartz is strong with him. Is it Ben Schwartz? 
Ben Schwartz? I think that might be right. I might be making that up. Um, ben Ben Schwartz. He, you got yeah, it. Yeah, okay. He he's like also like I mean he's voicing Sonic. Yeah. Now that he doesn't look insane. Uh, he was on BoJack, so he makes this list twice over at least. Uh, there was a handful of actors and actresses that made this show, yeah. multiple, uh, that made this list multiple times over, which is pretty impressive. Um, showrunner that made it twice. Fucking Vince Gilligan got Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul on here, so you're not going to mm-hmm. do much better than that. Mike um, Sher got a couple, at least, right? Um, good Place. I, was saying, I thought he did The Good Place, but I couldn't yeah. remember. Um, yeah, so he's on here twice over as well, and, which is a hell of an achievement. Um, to, could you imagine having one of those shows in a decade, let alone two. Right. Yeah, he makes I a lot mean, of geez. really interesting TV. Um, I'm so glad the Americans made it so high, even though I think it could go even higher than six. That show was so incredible. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a hell of a list. I mean, there's a couple of things, like you said. That I, the, um, actually, I didn't see if it would have applied to the, 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 the run. I can't remember what year it started, but I'm surprised I'm like the League didn't make it onto this. Mm. Um, My God, that show was funny. I need to rewatch that. Yeah, um, Archer, like you said, absolutely worthy. Um, so, you know, but other than that, pretty damn strong list. I'm, I'm a fan. And it's made me want to watch some of these things on here that I missed. Things that I knew of, things that I didn't know of. Like that yeah. show review, I really want to check that out now. Yeah, yeah, for it sure. It finally gave me the kick in the ass to finally watch Mr. Robot. Like, Yep, yep. I'd be curious to see how long you stick with it or if you stick with it. Uh, I, and then you can tell me if, it's, if I should go back. I'm intrigued so far, so yeah. Uh, sweet, that was actually that was that was fun. Um, yeah, I thought we, that would be something fun for us to do. Shall we get into fun and games? Yes. Keep the Ooh, fun times going. I forgot about fun and games after last week being the first week in which I remember. Yeah, games, we're back to the norm. Immediately went back to forgetting about it. Which Robert De Niro character are you? This is from <laughs> Brainfall.com. <laughs> this just this just reminds me of that scene from Neighbors where they all are the different Robert De Niro characters. Yep. Yep. Uh, speaking of that, the first you, question is... Are you talking to me? <laughs> the first question is, you talking to us? Nice. You talking to us? And the options are, yes, that's right. I'm talking to you. No, I'm not. And, huh? I'm going to go with huh. <laughs> nice. Okay. What kinds of De Niro roles are your favorite? The crazy ones, the gangster ones, the comedic ones? Hmm. Let's go with the comedic Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Do you know a second language? Sure do. I know a little, but I'm not fluent. Nope. I know a little, but I'm not. Okay. Pick a Martin Scorsese film. The Departed. I'm just going to select that. Yeah, just go ahead. All right. Which of these really gets to you? Losing money, being lied to, seeing people hurt. Seeing people hurt. Okay. What's the thing about De Niro that you admire most? His dedication to his roles, his looks, his versatility as an actor, his tremendous body of work. I'm sorry. Isn't he always Robert De Niro? Except for Taxi Driver. <laughs> I guess he kind of is. It's funny. Hey. We were talking about it as like a pejorative with Ryan Reynolds to a certain extent. But you know what? Robert De Niro is often Robert De Niro. So Ele- um, he's, he's gangster Robert De Niro. And then he's analyzed this Robert De Niro. Yeah. And then he's Taxi Driver. <laughs> um, wait, give me that list again. His dedication to his roles, his looks, his versatility as an actor, his tremendous body of work. I guess we'll go with tremendous body of work. That it that's a very that's a good one to pick, I think. Because the thing is, I don't always feel like he's committed to his roles. In his great roles, sure, but he's definitely mailed it in a bunch too. Yeah. We're playing cops and robbers. Which team do you want to be on? Hands up, it's the police. Give me the loot. That game is for kids. 
Um, this is a ridiculous quiz. Yeah, it really is. Uh, let's go with that. That's for kids. Okay. Who would you rather spend an evening with? Sharon Stone, Al Pacino, Ben Stiller, Jodie Foster, or Kevin Costner? <laughs> <laughs> what is selection? Um, by spending an evening with, do they mean that in the biblical sense? <laughs> Whatever you want it to mean. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Let's go with Ben Stiller. I feel I was like say, at least at least you'll be laughing. Ben Ben Stiller, and I feel like Al Pacino makes me laugh even though he's not trying to be funny. Yeah, so well, what, I got something for him later. So, um, no, I feel like just so like do I. A, I just have like I feel like just having a beer with Ben Stiller would be a good time. I don't know. Yeah, when you're getting dressed, you'll probably pick clothes that are stylish, unique, functional, or comfortable. Mm, functional. Okay. Time for a change of scenery. Which of these places would you rather live or vacation? Los Angeles, Las Vegas, New York City, Chicago, or Italy? Ooh, let's go Las Vegas. Okay. Some choice. It was down between that and Italy. Okay. Getting your result. Analyzing responses. Did you say it's analyzing this? Or is it yeah, yeah, that? that'd be pretty funny. You're, uh, you're, okay, the, the quiz, the, there's an ad in my way. Give me a second. This website is horrendous. Okay, you are Neil McCauley from Heat. Oh, nice. All right. You're intelligent and clever, able to craft brilliant plans that put you ahead of everyone else, but you don't always use your cunning for the best purposes. You're a shady son of a bitch. I guess so. That is one that I am regretful to say I have still not set down to watch all of. Uh, Same, same. I know it's, it's, people love that one. I know Uh, it's a a failing on my part. Um, Agreed. But I, I, I definitely want to see it. I just haven't. I just haven't. Yeah. With that, let us get into our flick of the week. The Irishman, released in 2019 on Netflix, and I think it was supposed to be theaters too, but I didn't. I think I saw it in one theater for one day. Anyway, it, it was on a very short release. It was a week or two in theaters. It's rated R. It's three hours and 29 minutes. It's yeah, it it's listed as a biography, uh, eh, crime drama. Uh, released on the 27th of, no- of November. A mob hitman recalls his possible involvement with the slaying of Jimmy Hoffa. That's the IMDb synopsis. Okay. Uh, I don't think we have to worry about spoilers in this so much. Uh, here, there's, there's one spoiler, uh, which, you know, we're going to talk about outright, and that is uh, in a story that is, like, unsolved. Uh, it is very heavily... It, was, it is blatantly stated what happened, which I is... Was- uh, I, I was very surprised how definitively they stated what happened in this. I assumed there was going to be at least some doubt where it was like, okay, they're leaning pretty heavily towards what it was. Uh, right. They showed you who pulled the trigger and what they did with the body. And that's um, what I'm, that's what I'm trying to, that, that's what my problem, I think one of my problems with it was, it was like, it actually played well as a biopic to some degree until they go that route. And I'm like, how reliable is any information if you're gonna just do this as like a full story? Yeah, uh, you know? I'm also confused because I wasn't sure if this was an autobiography or if it was specifically a biography. I know it's based on a book, mm-hmm. um, but I I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember if this was one where um, where Frank Sheeran was like specifically involved in the writing of the book, or if he gave interviews, or if someone just pieced together the stuff by doing interviewing himself. You know what I mean? Yeah, because. I feel like it should be a pretty big deal if we're going to definitively say, yeah, no, he killed him. He yeah. told me he killed him. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it was a little strange. Uh, the whole thing is told as a narration by Sheeran. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Which was, I mean, okay, and I don't want to, I'm not going to completely knock the movie. I do think it's got a lot of good things in it as far as uh, Scorsese plays his hits. Like, that, that the is thing there. Is, like, Scorsese didn't play his hits so much as he put his hits on and then turned the volume down and then took a nap with the hits playing behind. Okay, see, the only reason that's the case is because the movie went on for three and a half hours. Uh, it's, a, and it's obscenely long. It is, and... It was so by play his hits. I mean, he did this. Uh, there was entertaining banter, which some of it was very silly and very funny. That's that's very Scorsese. Yeah. Uh, Italians following Italian stereotypes. Uh, that was very Scorsese. Irishmen following Italian stereotypes. Very Scorsese. And and uh, uh, shockingly abrupt kills. <laughs> also, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but for a, mo- a filmmaker who's always made who's never shied away from violence, and in particular has never shied away from showing graphic violence, um, the blood was very cartoony in a lot of these kills, which mm-hmm. was never the case in his movies. Yeah. Where the fuck that came from? It was, it was just we- It was overall weird. The whole vibe was weird. The- well, you didn't oh. give me your tweet-length review yet. I didn't give my tweet-length review. Do you have one? Uh, give me yours. Uh, a hilariously self-indulgent passion project that ended up exactly where it belongs on Netflix. Not quite Roma, but definitely related in that family. Yeah, okay, that's 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 fair. Uh, I had something along the lines of Scorsese plays his plays his hits, uh, but you you kind of made it even better by saying in the background while he falls asleep. That 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 was that's a nice uh that's a nice work on what I was going for. So. Yeah, like it reminds me of like putting on a rerun or like a movie you've seen a million times and taking a nice Sunday afternoon nap while watching. Uh, the movie's too long and too slow. The thing is, I'm I, not a person that complains about those things. Yeah. I usually don't either. Or I'm like, Hey, they could have clipped 10 minutes, but not the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they could have clipped a full fucking hour off this movie an hour. Yeah. Or, and this is perfectly valid, too, and I have some more notes about it when we get to an hour and get to it later. No, get to it. Turn it into a six-hour miniseries. Or a three-part. It, it just, yeah, I don't know. Not even six. That would be even more. That'd be even more, Al. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> the point is, though, you could get up after each hour. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That was actually a difficult thing. So here's the problem. Aside from the movie being three and a half hours, like me and Kim were watching it. She wanted cookies, so she made cookies in the middle of it. That made the movie longer. Uh, <laughs> but it was a uh, well i didn't watch it in one sitting i didn't watch it clean through i did i was i was hooked enough like because there were things that were going i enjoy i enjoyed my like uh not all of it i enjoyed most of my my watch through it the whole time thinking this isn't great but it's fine uh and then when it was over i was like i mean i'm never gonna watch that again no um and i'm not gonna no i'm also not going not going to advise you to watch it this is the first time I felt like I was watching something that felt like reading a book. <laughs> That's funny. I felt like I was watching a book. Yeah. And, like, I watched a bunch of movies that were based on books, like, including, like, famous literary novels. Like, and this was the first time I ever actually felt like I was watching something that was a book. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not great. Uh, I, I actually thought Joe Pesci was great. Sure. I thought he did a tremendous job. Actually, you know what? On the on the note of Joe Pesci, I saw this cool little thing, so let's throw this in here now to get some positivity. So this was a tweet from Rod Blackhurst, who is apparently a director. He's directed some things on Netflix, like the thing about Amanda Knox, a couple other things. 
1992, I was 12. My dad and I were in Newark Airport. I saw Joe Pesci and recognized him from Home Alone. I went up to him and asked for his autograph. Joe asked me who my favorite actor was. I said he was. He handed me a crisp $100 bill and said that was the right answer, kid. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I thought it was a cool story. So Snakes. Snakes. I don't know no snakes. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was looking old to that level that it made me a little sad. Yes. Um, which was, you know, it was a little tough. But it was, uh, I don't know, he, he's, he's just good. He, I, I, I just enjoy him. I think well, he's so fun. this is a very different Joe Pesci from anything I've seen him in. Um, it's like Joe Pesci is your grandpa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Pop, pop. I mean, he's restrained. Is clearly a character that's full of regrets, and it actually played as a little bit meta, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. Contemplative. Um, did I mention, I can't remember, did I mention to you last week that he's been like a singer for like a few years now? No. He's put out multiple albums. That's amazing. I guess technically jazz albums. Good for him. Um, yeah, it's interesting. He has. I know what I'm listening to at work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, go look up Joe Pesci music. I, I want you to. I want you to report back <laughs> report to me. Back. I want you. That, that's what you should write next for the spin. <laughs> sh- shorter than your big projects you're working on. Um, just write on your thoughts on a day of working. <laughs> Sounds good. Like 500 words. That's it. I can make that happen. <laughs> I. There was a little too much of the... Uh, it's a joke and analyze this and analyze that. But there was a little too much of the first thing and the second thing when people are talking of like, what are you talking about? And it's like, I get like... There's like the no ties back if someone's listening type of thing. But I, as the viewer, need to know what's going on. And it's too much. It's there's too much, especially case, yeah. after, I'm, after I've been kind of zoning out for an hour and you start doing that shit. I'm not rewinding it, so that's that's gone. Uh, so I don't know what you're talking about. I did re- rewind one thing back actually at one point because I felt like I missed something, and I guess I I kind of did, and I don't even remember what it was now because it all kind of blurred together into one thing, which makes sense because the whole movie is just a fucking like stream of consciousness. It's just mm-hmm. it's just like a stream of consciousness, like reminiscing about stuff, and like we've seen movies where it's someone recounting their life story or a big portion sure. of it. We've done even done a few of them on this show. Um, and I, I don't generally have a problem with that. And I think that's part of why it came out as bookish, because it felt like reading a yeah. biography. Like, really felt like reading a biography. But, I, I, like I said, so much of it was just so self-indulgent. Like, it, I think it would work better as a miniseries. You could take all the time you want to every fine detail about every little thing. And some of the detail stuff was actually interesting. Um, some of it really wasn't. Some of it felt repetitive, which... Yep can be a device so i'm not going to completely crush it but it's like eh. um like you said there's sometimes it's like i'm not 100 percent sure what's going on right here and the stream of consciousness thing really comes out earlier in the movie where it felt like they were jumping back and forth to like fully realize that the whole idea was everything was leading up to where the end line end of the time on the car ride came on but that became confusing because they left that storyline alone for 90 whole minutes yep they like blew their load early in the movie on that, checking back to it six times. Wanted to space that out a little bit more so that there's a little bit more structure to the movie. Yeah. It, it's hard to follow the thread at all in the first act of the movie. It, it's almost as if they just didn't hire an editor. Which is weird because I think his editor is... Scorsese's editor is someone who 
if it's the same person, there's a woman who's done a, a editing for a ton of his movies, and like she's called like Scorsese's secret weapon because she like so perfectly gets him and his like the things that he's interested in and like his whole like idea around making movies mm-hmm. that this didn't feel like other Scorsese movies, despite having a lot in common with stuff like, in particular, Goodfellas, right? Sure. Um, it should feel to a certain extent, and maybe they tried to do a hard turn away from it, so it didn't feel like Goodfellas too. But I, I don't know. Like it, it didn't really feel like Scorsese to me. At at, at some point, it did. Like your your point's not wrong, but at other times, it's like it felt like a completely different person made this movie. Yeah. Like right. the attention I, to detail. I don't want to say like a washed there. up Scorsese made the movie, but that's what it, that is kind of what it felt like. It feels like a distracted Scorsese made the movie. Yeah, that's fair. Or maybe it's just the old idea of Netflix at every turn told him, just go ahead and do whatever the hell you want. Because, like, it is a confirmed fact. They just gave him every dollar he asked for, let him do anything that he wanted to, take as long as you sure. want making the movie. Maybe too much of a good thing is too much. Yeah. Yeah, someone's got to rein you in. Yeah. Um, and that's why I brought up the Roma thing, because it's this kind of two, two sides of the same coin, right, with the... The Alfonso Cuaron, like, just making, you know, being a true auteur, making the one true vision that you had for this thing. But this movie doesn't feel like a one true... Hell, comparatively, Roma felt, like, coherent and co- contained, like, like th- that it told one story with a vision from start to finish, whether you loved it or hated it, right? Mm-hmm. Th- this, at times, felt like it just, like, meandered off into a field and got lost. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it was like somebody's telling you a story. And then, like, oh, forgets a piece and tells you that part and then tries to go back to it. And you're just like, what are we, what, what are you talking about? Can, can I just finish my drink and go talk to somebody else? <laughs> and I realize it's the pot calling the kettle black because our show does that all the time. Absolutely. But, but we're not, we're not pretending not to. No. <laughs> <laughs> also, you can very easily pause this show and listen to it a few days later if you don't have the time. It Absolutely. Be, it would be rough to pause that movie and keep watching it. Like this, because I did it over the course of two days. Like this show is built on a train going off the rails. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. I just have a note here that says "LOL Sebastian Maniscalco." There was a couple of people that I didn't recognize or almost didn't recognize, and he was one of them. Because I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" And I looked him up. I was like, "Oh, I didn't even recognize." Him. I was like, "Look like, at I, you in here." What? I was like, "Look at you." But the thing is, he he was doing almost his his persona that he does on stage. That is. Uh, like crazy Italian guy from my family, like th- <laughs> like that persona was just he's like this actually could work. Let's put him in the movie. Like that's what it felt like. There was a couple uh, times where I was like, oh, I recognize that person. He was in other mob thing or other Scorsese thing. Right. And there was a couple times where like I looked him up later. And I was like, wait, I didn't even realize that was that person. I know that person. The guy w- whispers the one that um yep does the whole thing. He was on Sopranos. He played Beansy. I recognized him immediately. Um, there was another guy, oh, it was, uh, Paul Ben Victor, um, I think that's his name. Uh, he played, um, I think he was in the, was it the first two seasons of The Sopranos? He played another one of the mob guys at some point. Mm. Um, there was a bunch of other people I recognized from Sopranos, um, including Pesci's wife in the movie, which I didn't recognize her at first, and I was looking through the cast list, and I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't even recognize her. She was in the whole, entire run of The Sopranos. Like, she was in a, oh. 40, 40 episodes, and I didn't even recognize her. That's funny. Uh, one of the things, and here's what I think is funny: the there is a good piece of the movie, and I think it's the relationship between uh, uh, Frank's daughter and and basically all of the mobsters that are in her life. 
It was interesting. Um, I, I think that they, could have made for an interesting hour and a half narrative, like building on those relationships, like, and her, like how she feels about these people and what she's witnessed and what's hidden from her. Like, I think there's actually an interesting and compelling story in there. Uh, and I thought the little girl did a good job of basically being terrified of a lot of them. <laughs> well, uh, they certainly, and that's part of the idea that I'm having, like, it feels like he got distracted and walked away at times. Cause like, like, you're right. Like, that's something you could have seized on and woven it into something that's fairly important. Instead, this movie ended up getting mocked for only giving Anna Paquin six words to say in the movie as the older version of her. Um, because you're right. There is an arc there that could have been told, that could have been compelling, that they do precisely nothing with. Right. Except for just just keep coming back and doing the same thing again of like, oh, she's not saying thank you or not saying hi to, to him. And it's like, okay, yeah, we already had this scene. Like, was it 45 minutes ago? Um, and it's like, yeah, no, if they had leaned into that more, there could have been something interesting there because then you start to set up the conflict in Frank's life of that these men who gave him so much that he then tries to give to his daughters but can't see that it's also causing the problems that are pushing his daughters away from him. That's right. compelling storytelling. Absolutely. Uh, one piece that really got me in the movie that I thought was actually, it, it was a tremendous, it was a tremendous scene. It was a Robert De Niro delivery. Uh, and it's when he's, uh, he's on, he's, he's talking to the priest towards the end of the movie. And yeah. he, that, that scene where he's like, do you have any <laughs> Sorry, regrets? Just, just one, one second. Um, the ending of this movie absolutely suffered from Lord of the Rings ending. Yeah, it did. Uh, the, 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 when he's talking to the priest and the priest is basically asking him like, do you like, he thinks he's like, he's like, am I a bad man? Or like, I, I feel like I'm bad. And the priest was like, well, do you regret? Like kind of basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Do you have any regrets? And he's like, not really, um, except, and then without explaining to the priest what he's talking about, but you, the viewer, know because you've seen the rest of the movie, this is a good chunk right here. This one piece is actually really well done of him being like, but what kind of a man makes that phone call? Like that, that, and like him completely distraught saying it. Like that was a, that was a good oh, when scene. He, when he calls up his, Jimmy's wife. Right. But like the priest doesn't, I, what I love about that scene is, you know what he's talking about. The only people that understand are you and him in that moment. The priest doesn't know, but you have enough information and just like, He's so law he can't say anything. But again, all of this is really good in, I feel like, in a, str- in a stronger work of fiction not based on something because we don't know what exactly happened. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it, there's something about that, that, like, basing it on something and then maybe, and then making heavy insinuations without full proof that makes it just, it, it, it falls apart a little bit. And that, yeah, like, that seems like an obvious solution to the, to the mystery. But... Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. And some of those things where it's like reminiscing, where you can straddle the line between fact and fiction, it can be interesting because it creates this tension in the viewer. Um, Mm -hmm. But to then, to go from that straddling of the line, which is interesting, to then definitively saying some of these things, but then the character doesn't definitively say them, you're reintroducing doubt, despite the fact that you're definitively saying the thing, right? If, If it's left unsaid and you see him walk in and the plastics on the floor, but then they don't show what happens. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Or if you don't show any, if you cut that entire forty-five minutes out of the movie, and we just get the, the conversation with him and the priest, that would make you go, 
oh shit <laughs> you know because that would yeah, be really good. even more subtle and restrained yes but yeah. i was trying to kind of like marry like the like the difference between what they had and what it could have been yeah, as opposed absolutely. to rewriting it completely but what you're saying yes absolutely um i don't know i mean like yeah let's let's i guess let's go with some things that you did find good or interesting because i found the sequence leading up to the hit on crazy joe the the sebastian the sebastian manic scalco mm-hmm. uh I found that really compelling, where he's narrating the thought process between how he went yep. into a hit, because he's become an expert at it now. Yeah. And they Throwing the guns him. away, going yes, through the... Yes. Li- yeah, that was cool. That was well done. Starting with 20 guns, and you know his whole thought process is he games it out, and you know, that, this gun's not going to work, and yeah. this is why. That you got to do it quick. You got to make a lot of noise. You can't have anybody looking at your face, like that whole but thing. But also was... don't make too much noise, you know right, what that, I mean? Yeah, and then yeah. You get rid of that gun, you know, and this and that. And then... He walks through exactly how he would do it, and they could have left it there, and that would have been cool. But then they mm-hmm. actually show you, it's like, oh, that's what that looks like. That was actually really compelling. Yep. Um, the dueling explosions of the, the boat in the car, and then they, that Joe, the Jimmy's wife, thought she was going to get whacked too. And Great they scene. flash for a moment and show you the explosion, and then it's, no, no, it's her picturing, oh my God, it could be me next. Yep. That was really tense, because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know the story. She could have easily died. I would have had no fucking idea. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the other piece I liked was uh, I actually thought it was interesting when they would just to show you like how almost the absurdity of this lifestyle. Quote, you know, I don't know how else to describe it, but like they would introduce a character, pause the screen, and then put on the screen how that person was killed. See, I found that a little jarring. It was jarring, but because what I thought was interesting about it is that it, it every time I read they, each one was more ridiculous than the last to the point you were like these are things that happened. Are you the, fucking kidding me? Well, the one that the one that got me was where shot seven the, times in the face? No, not that one. Uh, the and then they showed it? Yeah. Um no, there was one cuz the thing is he said something and I don't remember what it was where I was like, "Oh, interesting." And then it's immediately undermined by them showing you that he died and how, and it was like died in nail bomb explosion under his front porch or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> when I, well, when I was, I was that was what threw me off a little bit was because they were introducing people and killing them in the same scene mm-hmm. textually. Right. Um, but we don't see a lot of them, but then other characters who end up dying, you know, it's like it, that's, I don't know why that comes off as, jarring to me you know what i mean yeah, it was inconsistent yeah, yeah. i guess that's I guess that's that's, that's fair one of the things i actually thought um uh, you want to do heavy insinuations that were like i i thought well executed because i don't know if it was just because it was the way joe pesci executed it or like the because of how they they laid it out but the insinuation of they got kennedy high uh, um that getting kennedy into the office and then hired <laughs> i was gonna say getting kennedy into the office and then uh and then getting having him assassinated that line of uh you know if we could if you think they could whack a president they can't whack a well i forgot exactly how it said oh he, he said he said they whacked a president you think they can't whack a president of a union right and i was just like in that it's like it's all hinted until that line and then it's just like <laughs> the shock value of it is kind of cool like but uh it's i don't know i i also i love like joe pesci's like he doesn't want he doesn't want oh well, sorry russell doesn't want jimmy to go down that way and he's trying to tell him He's trying to tell him he doesn't want Frank to have to do it, but he knows how this is going to play out. <laughs> yeah. It's, that, was, that was an interesting one. Uh, the first scene that we get of Jimmy Hoffa, which is, what, an hour and a half into the movie? 
Uh, I believe it was 45 minutes because I believe I checked. Okay. You're like, oh, and, there and he I, is. I, I put a note into this you know, about it too. I said it, it takes 45 minutes to meet Hoffa, which, while I get technically this is Frank's story, right? We all know it's about specifically yeah, him yeah. and Hoffa to take 45 minutes to even hear about him. Like I early on in the movie, right? He says something about people know about Jimmy Hoffa, but yeah, like, they don't know him. Like back, oh, and actually, no, it was right before they was in, they introduced him. Actually, now that I think about it, it was like five minutes before he said, you know. If you ask someone who Jimmy Hoffa is, no one knows who he is anymore. I mean, sure, they might be able to tell you something about him disappearing or whatever, but, you know, back then, everyone in the country right. knew Jimmy Hoffa. Right. Um, 45 minutes! That being said, while it took too long to get him in, I did like the in- his intro scene. The way that was shot, with the light on his face, on the phone, talking to Frank, so I hear you paint houses. Like, that whole thing, like, that was... Well, it was that whole thing from the beginning of the, tr- the first trailer, like, when it came out. Yeah, I thought that was good. I, that was a, that was a well done... Se- and you know what it is? There's a handful of those. There's a handful of really good sequences. Mm-hmm. They're just not strung together, right? Which also, which leads a little bit to editing, but then, like you said, you know, I guess, here's all, here's the money, do whatever you want, we'll get you there, too. But... I don't know. It's yeah, a shame. I, I guess so. It's a it, at the end of the day, like I can't recommend this movie to anybody. I do think that like unless you're really really interested in how it goes down, like and how the movie's executed, not the story goes down because you can't really know that from this. Um well, I was interested because I really didn't know what the deal was. I knew he was in the union. I knew sure. he was important. I knew he got too big for his britches. I knew that he was at the intersection between union and mob and government and that's what caused him to be in such a precarious position um so i found it intriguing this really wasn't the story i expected to hear about him and and all of this Mm -hmm. um but it's so weird now because i feel like i learned so much through this movie but i also don't know what to trust as truth right exactly which is a weird place to be with this whole situation Um, i'll give you a truth Okay. Jesse Plemons is always going to be creepy Todd, regardless of who he is and what he's in. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, see, the thing is, I always think of him as Landry from Friday Night Lights. So, like, as much as he's creepy Todd too, <laughs> my first thought is always Landry. That's probably better, right? Friday Night Lights. Oh, definitely. Okay, he is. Cool. No, he, I actually think he, he's he a good actor. Kill someone in that. Oh no, he's very good. He's actor. very good. Um, with as far as Pacino goes, he no longer is a good actor. Um, he, he's a caricature of himself at this point. Yeah, I don't understand it because he legitimately was an excellent actor. He's a different person than he was in The Godfather and Dog Day Afternoon and all those movies that like got him famous in the seventies and shit. He got so up in arms about that guy wearing shorts to a meeting. Could you imagine if he was in a meeting with you with no shirt on? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the difference is, I do it with you on this fucking show. I don't do it in... I don't go to business meetings with no shirt on. I don't know that. Um, <laughs> you don't know that. Um, but uh, I also, I the first time... I think it was just because of the, uh, the de-aging thing. Mm. Um, because like in the quote-unquote like later part of the story or whatever, I didn't feel this way anymore. But he's... In, I now can no longer distinguish his face from Kieran Hines. They looked at the same person when he came on the screen. For a second, I didn't recognize it was Al Pacino. He looks nothing like he looked... As a young man. Yeah. Like, I still recognize Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro. Like, they look like old versions of themselves. Right. He's a different human being. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> well, that's because he's had the same face for 50 years. I, it so doesn't look like he did in The Godfather. Him, de-aging him should make him look the same, is what I'm getting at. 
Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. You just... I don't know. If, was it you or an article you shared with me that was like, it doesn't matter how you de-age a 70-year-old man. The bones are still 70 years old. Well, I think I sent you that the clip that they end up showing when he beats up the grocer, right? And it, yeah. It is a, it's a fucking joke. Like, he clearly is a... 70-year-old man fighting him, not a 30-year-old man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's when he goes to stop him, and he's windmilling and his he arms. And he almost breaks and a hip. Like, it's again, like, what, what, what Martin Scorsese was doing this movie, because not the one that I've ever seen, like... Yeah. The guy's falling over! How do you not use a different take of that, of that scene? Could also, someone help! <laughs> or use a fucking body double in that one scene. Sure. Like it's not offensive to Robert to 75-year-old Robert De Niro to use a 30-year-old man to be a 30-year-old. First of all, he's supposed to be like 30 years old. Joe Pesci's calling him kid. And yeah. I'm like, kid? Yeah. Like, yeah, he does look younger than he does look right now. But he looks 50 and right. looking 75. He doesn't look 30. No. Sure as shit, he does not look like he's 30 years old. Don't let these blue eyes fool you. Yeah, no, he keeps calling him kid, and he's like, that's clearly an old man beating someone up. I think he's older than you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was, that was a little confusing to me. Um, I, but I, yeah, I just can't, I can't take Al Pacino seriously anymore. I don't understand wow. what happened. It's funny because I was talking about it with my mom a little bit earlier today because she watched it with my dad last weekend. Mm-hmm. and Or I guess half watched it, and she's like, she's like I, I can't take him seriously. I said, I, I can't either. She goes, he always plays the same role. He's that guy from Jack and Jill. Like, he, like, sold out. Like, I was like, I, I don't know if it's a he sold out or he gave up or what, but, like, there's plenty of people who sell out and they do cheesy roles, and then they go back and do the serious role when they're doing a serious... Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you can fit your performance to the thing you're in. You know sure. what I mean? Sure. He's... I, I don't know. He's just not a good actor anymore. Yeah. Like, and people were raving about the acting in this. Like, De Niro no. was fine. Pacino wasn't... Pesci was good. And, like, what? What's the love affair with this movie? And I know it's not been... Ray Romano was pretty good. He was. Which <laughs> he's become a really good, serious actor all of a sudden. We talked about it on The Big Sick a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Really good in that. Yeah. Um, in a very dramatic role. He, I think he, we, can, we can add him to our list of comedic actors who'll be in the serious movie that you and I make. Yeah. Um, also add in Paul Rudd. Um, oh, absolutely. Just put him in Even everything. though... You know, even though he, like we said, he always looks like he's having the time of his life. I feel like he's got the emotional depth that he could be. Look at he us. Could crush it in a dramatic role for us. Look at us. Yeah, look at us. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? Not me. Um, I don't know. Um, Harvey Keitel says like three words, but that's fine. Yeah, and he was good. He was fine. Whatever. Like I, I don't know. I, I don't get the love affair with this. The story wasn't no. amazing. To me, the, the whole movie's just very. It's a very long, flat film. There's no great performances. the The Pesci one is very good, mm-hmm. but nothing really to write home about. This whole movie is just a bunch of old guys grumbling at each other. <laughs> That's not really anything revolutionary. It's all fine. This doesn't warrant three and a half hours. It doesn't even really warrant two and a half hours. Yeah, I don't get it. I I remember. When they were building up, I was like, okay, this is getting to the point where he's going to end up having to kill Hoffa, and that'll happen in the next 20 or 30 minutes. That feels like a fitting conclusion, and I had to hit pause to, to go do something, and I saw that there was over an hour of movie left, and I was like, how the fuck? That, that, that similar they're thing cl- happened to us, yeah. They're clearly at the climax of the movie. Like, they're building to the climax of the movie. Like, in any other movie, this has the narrative feel of this movie 
is going to hit its peak in the next 20 to 30 minutes, and then maybe we get 10 minutes of wrap-up. We got 45 minutes of wrap-up! Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Anyway, I do not recommend. That's really all <laughs> I got to say. Any other notes on this? Nah, I'm done. With <laughs> I'm finished. That's I'm all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksinthesix at spintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Albie Olsey. Thanks for coming out. Man to watch. <laughs> you up to date? Get, gets me every time. Yeah, uh, you know, the funny thing is uh, I was, I had been waiting originally to sit down and watch it because I was going to watch it with my brother and my dad. Uh, sure. My dad was a couple episodes behind. Um, so we, we watched three with him, but he didn't watch four yet. And then all of a sudden I was finishing up this movie this afternoon because uh, I had to be at the, home, at the house because we had someone coming to do something today. And after it was and over, you're like, I need to enjoy something. <laughs> no, what happened was I was like, oh, fuck, we're going to talk. We're going to have Manda watch. Yeah. And I didn't watch episode five yet. Let me watch episode five. Uh, so obviously I took care of it. I wasn't a scramble to get done with, but I almost forgot to sit down and watch it tonight specifically. Nice. But you saw it. I did. That's good. Uh, what did you think? Uh, it was good. Um, still concerned about this whole idea. <laughs> I'm still um, concerned that nothing's happened yet. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, I guess at this point I just have to accept that nothing is going to happen this season. Maybe. Um, which isn't necessarily the end of the world. I guess this kind of goes to what we were talking about earlier about that. It's, it's almost like a serialized version. Yeah, like if like, you just drop in and watch an episode, it'll be good. Yeah, um, and that nothing revolutionary, like that, that maybe there just really isn't much of a story, which seems crazy to me. And, I, and I, I, maybe this is hoping, or maybe this is what could happen realistically. I don't know. Maybe the next three episodes will be a boom, serious storyline. Yeah. yeah, it could be. Again, that could just be me hoping it um, based on every other show I've ever watched. Um, it's weird. Yeah. Um, it's honestly, at this point, it is detracting slightly for me. I still, I'm still enjoying it. Um, but for how much I loved this show through the first four episodes, I'm, I'm just now getting frustrated with it Yeah, uh, a little a little bit. That's fine. That, that, that's fair. I actually, uh, a tweet from one of the guys at IGN, Justin Davis, that I really like said something to, along the lines of, I've really enjoyed every episode of The Mandalorian as I've watched it, but upon thinking about it later, y'all, I don't know if this is a good show. <laughs> that's how I'm starting to feel a little bit too, where it's like each episode on its own yeah. is really good. But together, it's less than the sum of its parts. For now. Um, like, cause, especially, the thing is, the first three episodes ended up telling a story, right? Uh-huh. Um, so if you want to start off the next two or three episodes telling a story, okay. But I feel like episode four and episode five were each kind of bottle episodes-ish. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't do two back-to-back bottle episodes. Like, I feel like you get episode four or five. You can't have both. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't have had a that's, problem with I think that's fair. That's fair. They both, they both do the same thing of, like, somebody's kind of fault. Fo- like, people are following him. He thought he was safe for a minute. He's not safe. He thought he could stop for a minute. He can't stop. Like, but- and it happened twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and big picture, you know, found a friend in an unexpected place, and then leaves that friend behind. Now, right, 
admittedly. Those uh, things will probably pay off at some point. Sure, teeny bit of a spoiler. I know for a fact that what's her name, uh, the Caradun, the Gianna Carana character. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact we will see her again in this sure. season. Um, but that being said, I mean, now listen. You know, we're doing full spoilers for episode five, right? At the end, they tease someone. Yep, is lurking. Someone specific is lurking. Not the general. Some ones are lurking, which we've known, which is getting repetitive. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the last two episodes. Um, so maybe that is how we then start to streamline to a more specific story for the next three episodes. Do you subscribe to any theories about who that person is? I know that the big theory is Boba Fett. I don't know why that specifically. I mean, I don't know. Maybe because I had glare on my screen. I didn't, it didn't scream Boba Fett to me. Same. It screamed someone in armor, but not necessarily Mandalorian armor. Right, right, yeah. Um, I understand why that's where people went because it's on Tatooine, obviously. Um, he was last seen on Tatooine. Um, I would be frustrated if after all this time they brought him back to life in canon finally. Um, just tell a different story with someone else. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't really care too much uh, whether or not it's him. Um, it, w- it won't deeply offend me if it's him. It's going to be just a minor frustration. Well, whoever it is, it's got to matter by immediate full appearance, right? Like, for you to only show feet, I feel like it has to matter when you see the rest of them. Well, I what I would say is, whether it's someone that we've seen on this show specifically or in the greater canon, that sort of tease should indicate it's someone we know. Right. Um, whomever that is. Um... It would be weird to make a big reveal of it being someone that we. Uh, <laughs> it would be really don't funny. Know. Why'd you do that? <laughs> yeah, it is I. Who? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Who's that? Um, I was a little confused. I don't know why you make a big deal of having Ming Na Wen be that character. I can't. Also, I was a little confused. Maybe I was distracted for a minute by my dogs because I was eating dinner while watching the episode. Um, I thought that he grabbed her and threw her on the dewback when he wrote it back to Mos Eisley. I didn't realize he left the body in the middle of the desert. Oh. Really weird that they killed her off and she got four lines in this. Yeah. Because, like, they kind of made a big deal that they cast her in the show. Well, there also seems to be something more about her. I I don't know that that's the end we'll see. Maybe we'll get her in a flashback or a a retelling of some of her story or whatever that is. It's also entirely possible she's not dead. That's true. Like, because we don't know when that specific thing happened. It could have happened minutes after he left. We don't know that she doesn't have a brick of money in her belly. That too. Uh, all I'm saying is we don't know for a fact that it's days later or anything. Sure. It could have been minutes after he's out of the screen and whoever that was appearing, you know, found her then and she could still be alive. Right. So maybe we'll see her again. Um, but, I don't know, it just seemed weird to cast someone relatively well-known-ish to be that role and then kill her off with so little like if she had had a bunch of lines and then died you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and like for like because like there was some intrigue to her character right she knows a lot more than she's get on with she's super competent she has a reputation like the fact that the mandalorian himself knows her not just of her like oh yeah no she's bad news yeah um that sort of character should get more than what she got mm-hmm. i feel like i will say uh as while the whole ep- while the episode as a whole, I, I found the episode very entertaining. I found them all very entertaining to watch. Uh, getting into the Tuscan Raiders that was fun, and the way they did it, the little sneak up thing, and then like yes. the, the the bargaining, I thought that was really cool. 
Well, uh, classic Tuscan Raiders, right? They always pop up when you least expect them. Yeah. You know what? You know what? I just realized now after this episode, Tuscan Raiders are Velociraptors. Absolutely, hundred percent. Right. There's always two of them. They're always. Well, <laughs> they always attack from the side. The ones that you see down in the distance is yep. a is is a is a ruse. Yeah. They always pop up on the side or un- up underneath you when you're looking at them through binoculars. If he That's said cool. clever girl, that would have really driven the point <laughs> home. Uh, but it's funny considering he didn't think that he could parlay with Jawas and Kuil did to now him being the one who has weirdly knows their sign language and is able to very quickly yep. deal with them. Um, and also to to show them the respect that, that they deserve, right? That they're not just animals, not even the women and children. You know what I mean? That they um, are people who... <laughs> sorry, that reaction took longer than I expected. <laughs> You know what it was? I got you immediately, but then in my head it went through. I slaughtered them I, like animals, and that just it, that part of it is what really hurts me. <laughs> That's why I did it. Um, just twisting the knife. Just spitting um, all over the camera. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, I like that because I was getting a little bit concerned. We know that he's not a completely fully formed character, right? That he is kind of going on a modified version of the hero's journey himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that he is established to a certain extent, but he is proven at times to be quite competent and clever, but at other times to be very callous and overlooking some of the things that maybe would a more wiser character, some, a more wiser character has to show him in some cases, right? Where he's a little bit too brash, mm-hmm. even though he's quiet about it. So for him to show that level of respect for these people who could easily be opponents and no, no, we have to negotiate them. We shouldn't just murder them and not even out of kindness per se just out of respect yeah um for these other people you know what i mean that was interesting and an interesting twist on this character from what we've seen so far yeah did you um did you catch so actually there, there's a couple there's a, a handful of good nods in this episode uh the first was i thought the intro was awesome of him being chased by that other bounty hunter and then yes. he says uh I could bring you in, what is it, warm, or I could bring you in cold, or something like that. And he says, yeah, that's he goes, my I can bring you in hot or bring you in cold. And he yeah. blows well, him away. I was no, like, no. important. He kills him, and then says, that's my line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which, is, which is just so great. That, that, when that kicks off the episode, I was like, oh, I'm in. Like, this is going to be fun. Uh, the other thing, there's two, there was two tremendous lines. Uh, he said, he's no good to me dead. One of the characters says that. Yeah, yeah. And then he said, she's got the high ground. Yep, yep. I was and I was just like, that. I, I did that thing where I was like looking for somebody else who got it, but then realized I was watching the show entirely alone. Also, <laughs> well, I guess, you know, if you're going to cast a famous actor actress to be in a role, you treat it the way that they did the Amy Sedaris character here, not the Ming Nguyen character. Mm. Because, uh, oh, it's, I don't know, it's super funny because I've never actually seen Amy Sedaris in anything, but I immediately recognized her voice. Um, from Bojack Horseman, she plays um, Princess Carolyn, his agent, mm-hmm. um, and she's so ridiculous. And they always give her all these tongue twisters to do, which are incredible. They're some of the funniest, stupid little jokes that they do <laughs> in that show. Um, so seeing her continue to be like a, a frazzled but competent motherly sort in this, but now with um, Ripley's hair from Alien, um, was pretty incredible. Nice, nice pull. Uh, thanks. <laughs> I thought she was. I thought she was a fun and funny little character. Are Are you still all in on Baby Yoda? Yeah, they didn't do give him as much to do this episode, but that's do okay. Do you just love him though? Oh, of course. I, I mean, he's adorable. I gotta say, I mean, even th- just even just him like 
peering around the corner of the thing yeah. after getting thrown with shooting going around. And she's like, because it's the oh only thing God. you care about is, is he okay? But <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm like, oh my God, he might have just fallen on that little baby. Like, right. you know, a little 50 year old baby. Um, but I thought she was great where she's like, she's now like the, like the maternal instincts. Yeah. Like, she's in, as in love with him. I feel like she is the audience. Like, she's as in love with him as we all are. Absolutely. And she like scoops up and she goes, oh my God, that must have been so scary. Those, those big loud sounds with those big old ears of yours. You yeah. know what I mean? And I was like, so, dude, they are big. So those good. ears are huge. I love it. I love it. I think he's so he's such a great character. He's so funny, and uh, he's such a great character despite having had zero. Life. Absolutely, uh, except from some random noises. Uh, but a little bit of cooing. The uh, the the memes around him are fantastic. And uh, re- uh, the other day in one of my uh, like the general rooms I'm in in Slack, someone posted one, and it was him sipping the broth, and on the broth it was printed. My coffee, my house, my rules. And I was like, oh, it's so good. It's just so relevant right now. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, now that's a pull. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm excited. I feel like, I, for whatever reason, I feel like we're building up to something big in the next episode. I'm hoping that we get something out of it. I just feel like we, we really have to. I still don't know what the show is about. Yeah, agreed. Like, I get that it's about him and this kid, but like, there has to be something yeah. else going on. Even if it's not so, something super important. So Friday is the last one before Rise of Skywalker? We'll have, we'll have one Friday, and then I think we get one Wednesday. The day of... Oh, the, okay. All right. That's that's tough. All right. The so day we, before. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's the 18th. I think we get one. Okay, okay. So and then the that. final one is the Friday after. That is going to be a tremendous three days. I am going to lose my mind. No, no, no. Oh, the Friday, Friday following. After. Okay, yes. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, right, because it comes out. It technically comes. Friday's the release date. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Oh, my God. I think I'm that's so how it's going. I'm so excited. I just want to do all the Star Wars <laughs> things right now. Oh, it's so good. I can't believe that our next episode is going to be on The Rise of Skywalker. It's here. It's going to be weird. I'm going to be ready to sit down and record on Tuesday, and we're not going to do it, and I'm going to be a little sad. Yeah. Should, maybe, we should put, we, maybe we should record something to have it uh, in, the, in the backlog for like a, one of the holidays that I'm sure we're going to miss. We could do that. Or we could do a News and Nuggets. The, oh, yeah, that's true, since we're just going to be ready to dive in. That's a good point. Yeah. Maybe we'll we do that. We can do just our news and nuggets segment then if you want. Well, that being said, I mean, there's nothing else really to speak about here. Uh, so you'll... We'll oh, wait, no. One final oh, thing. Oh, what do you got? Um, I already forgot. The, what was the name of the guy that he partnered with who betrays him? Uh, forgettable Man? Yeah. Well, not so forgettable now. Do you know that's Bobby Cannavale's son? No. That's cool. He seemed a little too not in the Star Wars universe. Yes. He and- felt... Not Star Warsy. You're right, and it it it, bother, it actually bothered me from like the minute he opened his mouth. I was like, you don't fit. <laughs> Toro. I think Toro was his first name. Toro okay. something. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that's his son. That's pretty cool. I like Bobby Cannavale. Well, it's funny actually. We didn't talk about him at all in the no. Irishman, but yeah, he was in it for a few minutes. Oh yeah, I mean, it didn't really matter. Well, sorry, he was probably in it for about an hour. If we're being honest, <laughs> but no. Interesting. No, I didn't realize that. Um... Yeah, something there was just something off about that character. Yeah, and uh, it was it was more like I don't know it was delivery body language. He just he wasn't in the Star Wars universe. He felt like a he kind of felt like a tourist at Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I, you know, it it wasn't it wasn't the look. It was the delivery slash language. Yeah, because he had all, he had all the the stuff like he had all. You the, know who uh, he reminded me a little bit of? 
um, the Scott Eastwood character in the Fast and the Furious movies. Little Nobody. Little Nobody? Mr. Nobody's Little Henchman. They called him Little Nobody. Why can't I remember? Oh! I was say, you're the bigger Fast and the Furious fan than I am. Yeah, so but there's so many of them now that it's too hard to keep up. <laughs> That's a good point. But anyway, he, was he said five like that. when he's a huge fan of Star Wars and there's more movies there. <laughs> but anyway, that's all. I have spoken.